Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Then put your Hey, happy Groundhog Day. Punxsutawney Phil has come out of his little hole and he saw his <laughs> shadow. So what what does that mean? That means six more oh, weeks Phil. of come winter. On, Phil. Six more weeks of winter. Yep, saw his shadow today. Didn't it, see it here in St. Louis. Saw, saw it in Punxsutawney, Philadelphia, or Punxsutawney Pennsylvania. Punxsutawney, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh. You know, if there was ever a time, Randy, for Phil to not see his shadow, to, get, to get spring here sooner, it's right now. St. Louis needs <laughs> spring to start immediately because we have a baseball team we can't wait to watch. No doubt about it. It's 7.01 on Carriker and Smallman. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. By the way... If you're seeing Ned Ryerson around, if you're just walking out today and see Ned Ryerson walking around, an old high school classmate, just give him a hug, give him a kiss. Say, Ned? Ned Ryerson? <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I need to. But I I am, however, very familiar with Groundhog's Day because today's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday to Tony Smallman. Happy birthday to my dad. Uh, so we celebrate Groundhog's Day every year because my dad's a groundhog, so... <laughs> And no, That's great. More often than not, by the way, Phil sees the shadow. Yeah, he does. More often than not, we have more winter than we would like. That's a problem. Yes, well, more often than not, like all the time. All the time. All <laughs> Any, the time. Anytime we see winter. It's stupid, That's Randy. It is so stupid. Hashtag winter stupid. That's a Michelle Smallman yes, it is. invention. That's Was I hashtagging? Yes, you were. Yes, you were hashtagging. <laughs> but is there one redeeming quality about winter? Unless you live somewhere where you can ski or snowboard yep. or build a snowman on the regular, there's not one redeeming quality that winter brings to the table. It is stupid. And especially now in 2021, because we've reached the point where we will no longer have snow days for kids. That's right. Because we have Zoom school. So those are out the window. The only redeeming quality as a kid was being able to go out and sled. But... Now, when right. when you get to this age, no, it, there, there are no redeeming qualities to that. Well, God, the universe, when everyone was cooking up what the world was going to be like, what life was going to be like, I know things are cyclical. I know you need ups and downs. I know you need things like winter to be terrible so that you appreciate <laughs> spring and summer and a crisp fall day that much more. But come on, this was a big miss. This was an L. Yeah, Super if we're Bowl, being honest. Yeah, Super Bowl weekend is going to be cold. But at least we have this warmth. The Cardinals have finalized their deal with Colorado, and they've officially acquired Nolan Arenado. He's going to speak to the media via Zoom. 
This morning at 11 o'clock, the five players the Cardinals give up. Left-hander Austin Gomber, as we know, and then four guys that we didn't know about. The number eight prospect, third baseman, Nila Juris Montero, who has a chance to be a really good hitter, probably a first baseman rather than a third baseman. And by the way, two of the top four Rockies prospects are third basemen, so they'll probably use one of those guys to fill in in the absence and the departure of Nolan Arenado. The Cardinals also traded Tony Losey, who was their number 22 prospect, big right-hander out of Georgia, actually went to high school and then attended Georgia with Jake Fromm. And he and Jake Fromm led Georgia, their Georgia high school team to the playoffs as pitchers. Oh, another ba- another quarterback pitcher yeah. friendship that yeah. we can talk about for a while. Hopefully not that long. Yeah, hopefully not that long. Hopefully, hopefully he's not that great that we don't talk about <laughs> yeah. it that long. And then infielder Mateo Gill, he was the Cardinals uh, number 18 prospect. By the way, Gill, the Cardinals number one or number three choice in 2018. Losey, their number three choice in 2019. Gill is the son of Benji Gill, who played shortstop for the World Champion 2000, or on the World Champion 2002 Angels. He played behind David Eckstein there. But Mateo Gill, shortstop, David Eckstein type, not (laughs) not a ton of tools. But if he has uh, a lot of fortitude, he can become a World Champion shortstop. World Series MVP? Yeah, Okay, great. And then a guy that wasn't in the Cardinals top 30 prospect, Jake Summers. So it's Gomber, Montero, Losey, Gill, and Summers that go. Coming back is $50 million, which is nothing to sneeze at. You know, that adds up. $50 million here, $50 million there. All of a sudden, you got a lot of money on your hands. Sure does, sure does. And then Nolan Arenado, who will play third. And Michelle, you were intrigued by the quotes in this press release from the Cardinals. Yeah, uh, Cardinals Pobo John Mozeliak has a quote or a series of sentences here in this news release that we would like to read. It says, many have heard me say that one of the great things about baseball is that you always have a chance to get better. Today we got better, exclamation point. <laughs> John Mozeliak, a very reserved guy. He's he's very calm. He's easy. You never see him get worked up. That he would say, today we got better, exclamation point, (laughs) tells you how excited the Cardinals are for this acquisition. But he goes on to say, a deal of this nature, acquiring a player of Nolan's considerable talents are the ones that can set you apart in many ways. It certainly shows the commitment of Mr. DeWitt and ownership to continue to give our great fans a team that aims to win both now and in the future. And I read that this morning and I said to Randy, it's almost as if he's been listening to all the texts and mic drops on 101 ESPN from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. for the past few months. There's no doubt. I think... They knew the way the fans were feeling. Right. And I don't know that this is a direct response to the way the fans are feeling, but I think that they're happy that it happened because... And it opened up for them. And as we mentioned over the last couple of shows that we've had, this has been something that's been in the works for years, at least more than a year. And... The Cardinals had to recognize the the antipathy of their fans moving forward if they didn't do anything. I want a documentary, like a three-day documentary span of when Greg Amzinger told us that they were inching closer to a deal with Jack Peterson. The Cubs swooped in mm-hmm. and got Jack Peterson, and then they hit the Nolan Arenado detonate button. It was incredible what Greg Amzinger told us about the way that this all unfolded over the past few days last week. But I would love to know the series of events that led them to say, okay, you know what? We want this guy. We've wanted him for a long time. Let's just do it. Now is the time to do it. I, I 
But what was the tipping yeah. point? It would be the, interesting to know. Well, because Bless. this is a dance they've been doing for a long time. This is someone yep. that they've coveted for a long time. I would love to know on the Rockies end, what was the tipping point? Yeah, I think that's what the Cardinals do. I think the Cardinals just wait other teams out when they make a move like this. Patience. It, it, they are very patient. And it's kind of like, uh, well, it's, uh, you were talking about... Uh, getting people to eat right and being consistent. And uh, John Gruden always said, hey, guys, keep pounding that rock. And that's probably what the Cardinals do. They just keep calling incessantly every day. Okay, ready to make the deal? Okay, ready to make the deal? Okay, ready to make the deal? <laughs> hey, good morning. Ready to make the deal? Yeah. And finally, Jeff Bright says, okay, I'll make the deal. It's Groundhog Day every day. The same exactly. call from Mo. You ready to make the deal? But I think we could all learn a little something from the way that this played out is I'm not a very patient person. I don't know if you are. And especially as a society, we've become an an ADD society where we want things right now. We lose interest in things so quickly. And if we don't have, everything is at our fingertips. We can get whatever we want whenever we want it. If I want a burrito right now, Randy, I can have it at the studio's doorstep in 15 minutes. Sounds delicious. I know, it really does. I shouldn't have used that as the example. But we get fed up having to be patient and we get fed up having to wait for things because we are not conditioned to doing it anymore. So kudos to the Cardinals for being patient and for waiting this out and being able to acquire Nolan Arenado and the $50 million and not have to give up any of your of your top prospects that they probably wanted initially in this deal. Looks like a great move. Meanwhile, Matt Holiday joined the fast lane yesterday and they asked Big Matt, who's one of Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado's best friends, if he has spoken to Arenado since the move was announced. Oh yeah, I uh, Nolan and I speak about once or twice a day. So we, uh, in leading up to this, uh, we've been uh, in close contact, and he, uh, yeah. So we've we've talked quite a bit. And interestingly, one of the things they talked about was Holiday coming here, Holiday going to the Yankees, and why people want to come to St. Louis. There's just something about when you're you're a kid growing up and you love baseball, uh, of playing for the, the iconic franchises. And I think that, you know, when you talk about the Cardinals and the Yankees and, and the Red Sox and the Dodgers and some of these iconic franchises, there's just a buzz of, of putting that uniform on um, that just feels different. And I, and I think that he's he just, I think he can't wait to, to put that uniform on and play for an organization and a fan base like St. Louis. And and uh, and he's excited about what they have and their chances of winning. Cardinal Nation, one of the cool things about Nolan Arenado is that he loves baseball as much as you do. Which is so rare. Yeah. <laughs> All right. People in St. Louis were very polite, Randy. Mm-hmm. We have great manners. You know that if someone does something nice for you, you need to send them a thank you. That's what we do here. Yes. Write a handwritten note, maybe bring them a little gift. Matt Holiday deserves a big-time thank you from St. Louis. Yes, he does. He talks to Nolan Arenado every day. He's been talking about what a great city this is and what a great franchise this is. He he might not have planted the seed, but he certainly helped it grow. He poured water on it. He gave it direct sunlight. He helped that idea of St. Louis blossom and Nolan Arenado's had so much that this is the one one of, if not the place he wanted to go. So what do we do? I mean, do we set up an account where people can put money? Do we send him uh, a fruit, fruit basket? basket? Edible arrangement? <laughs> I was thinking edible arrangement might be nice. There's got to be something else we could do. He seems like a guy that takes care of his body yes, and his fitness. Time. So I don't know if a cookie cake would be the play for him. He might not enjoy it as much. But I think we owe Matt Holiday a big fat thank you. 65780 if you have an idea for our gift for Matt Holiday for delivering the gift to us of Nolan Arenado. Yeah.
we've, we've got to pay him back somehow. <laughs> the Blues are back home tonight. They take on the Arizona Coyotes. Six o'clock pregame. Alex Ferrario will have that. Seven o'clock with Curbs and Joey with the coverage here on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. Blues have won three in a row. And uh, Mickey Calloway Uh-oh. needs to listen to Herm Edwards. Don't hit sand. <sighs> Mickey Calloway is uh, a weirdo, as it turns out. Uh I would like to change the word weirdo to predator. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. Yeah, he's a weird predator. Yeah, so apparently. <laughs> are any predators not weird? I think those are. <laughs> probably not. But some <laughs> Kind people, of synonym, synonyms. Yeah, yeah, but like if you're a lion in the jungle, that's what you are. Right, right, right. right. Okay, I get what you're saying. So he's not this, supposed to be a predator. This isn't. The type of predator that we talk about in sports, that's a good type of predator. This is a bad predator. He was the pitching coach in Cleveland and made unwanted advances via text to multiple female members of the media. Went to the Mets, did the same thing there, and then was made his way. He's now the Angels pitching coach, and the women that cover the team out there were forewarned. But there's a story in The Athletic about his history with multiple women of sending texts and being kind of like John Mozeliak with the Rockies about basically getting in touch every single day and not relenting. And that was the word that was used about him by one of the women was that he was just relentless in trying to get dates and trying to get together and get a hookup with them. Yeah, women in media, I'm sure women in many professions do this, but there's a sisterhood there. There's uh, I have a responsibility to let you know about certain people from a protection standpoint. And I have dealt with this in my career where women would say to me, watch out for that one. Don't mm-hmm. give your number to him. Don't engage with him. This is it never ends up well. And so to know that there was a network of women informing other women about his behavior tells you how persistent and how bad it was. But I, I it's hard to accurately describe this to people, but our industry is is different in a way where you're in these in you're in athlete space a lot now this is pre-pandemic but you're in the clubhouse you're on their turf so already there's a power imbalance there Mm -hmm. because you're coming in there and you need something whether it's information or a quote or video you're the person that needs something and you're on their turf so there's an imbalance there and then you have a, a coach or a manager who already is at the top of the food chain there sending you shirtless selfies or saying, hey, if you come get drunk with me, I'll give you information that I know you need. That is a very difficult position for a woman who your job is to get information from someone. And even though you might feel incredibly uncomfortable, and this is so unprofessional and over the line, this is not somebody that you want to make mad or you want to have somebody ice you out. So you have to walk this really ridiculous line of making sure you're not responding in a certain way, but also trying to not upset this person so that you could still do your job every day. And the amazing thing is, is you would think that a guy like Mickey Calloway would, you would hope at least that he would be smart enough to recognize that it's the kind of thing that can ruin his life because he hadn't told his wife about it. He's still married after he was informed by the athletic that they had all this information. He said he wasn't going to respond, but he was going to talk to his wife about it. And obviously he's not going to keep his job. He's going to lose his job. You would think that in this day and age and over the course of the last five years that people would recognize that they have to be reasonable functioning 
human beings in society and not being a predator like that. Because in addition to hurting other people, ultimately it's going to hurt yourself too. I mean, just take a look. Read the room. Right. You would have read the room if you had an ounce of self-awareness. But he doesn't. But this may shock you, Randy. Sometimes people in a position of power feel like they're invincible. Oh, yeah. And sometimes people in a position of power think they can do whatever they want and they won't have to face any consequences. And I can't... We've seen this many times when these stories emerge. If a guy right out of the gate in, in this position is sending women, hey, will you send me nudes texts mm. to reporters in the media whose job it is to report information, they probably don't think you're going to yeah. do anything about it. Or they think that they have enough power that they can intimidate you or they can make you go away. And obviously a bad look for the Mets, Sandy Alderson, who hired both Jared Porter, the GM who was fired last week, and Mickey Calloway. Uh, as their manager several years ago. So that's what's happening in New York. Coming up, we're got, we've got a little game of What's Better. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. What's Better with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Karen's Smallman on 101 ESPN. Multiple texts in for the gift that we should get Matt Holiday. A lot of people, Michelle, suggested we vote him a red jacket, which Ooh. we will most certainly do. Yes, we will. And others, many others, suggested sending him a smoked carrot cake. Randy, that's the play. Okay. We can do that. But how does that travel? I don't know. We'll, th- we'll have to find a way to make it work. We should test that because I don't know what he put it on dry ice or something. Or we can just wait cool. until he comes into town. Maybe he'll be in town for opening day or something. <laughs> yeah. We'll show up the first time that he's at the at the stadium. I mean, we've got a character. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this Here, is from you. St. Louis. Yeah, thank, thank you, you. Matt. <laughs> also, um, this segment is called What's Better? And John Mozeliak in the Nolan Arenado release, Today We Got Better! Exclamation <laughs> point. Yeah. What's better? We're better. We're better. The Cardinals are better. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You can ask us the question and we'll give you the answer. And Emily Butcher is here to provide the questions. What do you got, Emily? All right. First one from the 636. What's better, breakfast burritos or lunch or dinner burritos? Oh, man, this is like picking your favorite kid. No, it's not. Lunch or dinner burritos, far better. Breakfast burritos are fantastic. Yeah, but I'm thinking about the foundation, the base, if you will, Mm -hmm. and I like a rice base better than a scrambled egg base. Okay. See, that's reasonable that you, you like that better. I think in general, I would go that way. Like if I were gonna have, if I were gonna have a burrito three times a week, and I could only choose breakfast or lunch or dinner. I would go with the lunch or dinner. I, I think you're accurate there. But, man, like for a, a long bike ride, before a long bike ride early in the morning, a breakfast burrito is really good. See, I was also thinking whenever I eat a burrito, immediate food coma afterwards. Immediate. So if you eat that for breakfast, you're... But it's loaded with protein, though. If you make it correctly, Yeah. yeah. But for me, I'm loading it up. I want sour cream. We got the salsa working in there. I want all the bells and whistles. (laughs) Very good question, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, me too. By the way, there are some fast food breakfast burritos that are really good. Really? Yeah. I love the breakfast tacos at Taco Buddha. That's my jam. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Very good. The uh, 
breakfast burrito at uh, Hardee's is really good, and Sonic does a really good job with breakfast burritos. Really? So surprisingly, yeah. Huh, huh. Okay, from the 636, what's better, a 2021 Stanley Cup or a 2021 World Series? Ooh. What? I think because of both? the addition of Arenado, and this is taking nothing away from Krug and Hoffman, both would be great. But I think to have the excitement of the Arenado deal and their commitment to Arenado pay off, that'd be pretty cool. And the Blues have won a few years ago. More recently. More recently. It's than... been a decade now for Cardinal Yeah, fans. yeah. And I would think this Cardinal team, even though they were in the playoffs last year, from where the fans were emotionally heading mm-hmm. into this year before the Arenado trade, to think that you could start 2021 being probably as bummed out about Cardinal baseball as you have been in a long time, and to have the end of the year be the crescendo in a World Series, what an emotional roller coaster. It's almost like the Blues a little bit. Yeah, and when you think about it, what did we all complain about? The offense. You right. go out and get one of the five best offensive players in the league. Right. But the Blues can win a Stanley Cup, too. Yeah, we'll take both. Yeah, we'll take either or. Or both. From the 636, what's better, Joya's Hot Salami or a Crown Candy BLT? Oh, come on again. Yeah, that's unfair. You know, I get the... Uh, I like both. <laughs> I, I get the beef and salami at Joya's. I get the Italian trio. Whew, is that good? Right. Do you see they're having frozen pizzas come out? Oh, really? Yeah, I think Schnucks. Oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. My friends at Schnucks are all over St. Yeah. Louis stuff. It's like a yeah. limited quantity, I think. Nice. I think I would go with that BLT. Okay, you can, you take the BLT, I'll take the hot salami. And then we'll split it. There you go. That's the play. Okay, this one's two smalls. Three From the 314, what's better, the Arenado trade or Randy's carrot cake? Ooh. Okay, Randy, with all due respect, mm-hmm. I'm going to go the Arenado trade only because it was elusive. It was rare. Your carrot cake, one of a kind, amazing, delicious, untouched in the elite category. But I could ask you to bring a carrot cake tomorrow and you'd do it yes, because it that's would. the type of guy you are. We've been waiting for Nolan Arenado for years, <laughs> for years. <laughs> it was it was rare. It was elusive. So as much as I love the carrot cake, I got to go with Arenado. I have no problem with that at all. Okay, good. From the 314, what's better, Philip Rivers type of Hall of Fame career but no championship or a Chase Daniel kind of career with a backup, as a backup, but with, with a ring? Oh, Philip Rivers. Because Chase Daniel didn't even play. You're going to think I'm crazy. I'm going Chase Daniel. My body's intact. My mind is intact. My bank account is certainly attack, intact. I've secured the bag and the ring. Done. I'll see you on the boat. And I'll be and I'll be walking and skipping but and jumping and diving. As great no surgery as Chase Daniels' career has been with no surgery, Philip Rivers made as much in a year as Chase Daniel has made in 12, 13. But he never won. Yeah, but he's still going to the Hall of Fame. And he if the, he, here's what he knows. And here's what I know. If the Giants would have kept him and not traded him for Eli Manning. With the exact same Giants team, he would have won there. If he would have gone to Pittsburgh rather than Roethlisberger, he would have gone there. He knows that he was as good as those guys. He just didn't land in the right spot. True. But do you really think at the end of Chase Daniel Daniel's career that he's going to be like, man, I'm bummed out? He's Not at think, all. This was a great ride. Man, yeah. I lucked out. This was awesome. Would I have liked to be the guy? Probably. But my job was pretty good. Whereas I think with Philip Rivers, he's walking away. He's got all these kids. They're going to be like, Dad, why do you want a Super Bowl? He's going to be like, I don't know. 
I don't know. The team I was on. Right. Hey, hey kids, most of you grew up in San Diego. That's a, you know what? (laughs) They did get to live in San Diego for a very long time, which I'm sure they are not mad about. But I don't know. I just think those type of guys that have a career like that, that they never get the ultimate prize, it always feels a little incomplete. That's something that he'll always have to live with. But would you rather not get the prize or not even get the chance to play? I don't know. He's gotten some snaps, Chase. (laughs) He's gotten some snaps, Randy. I think I might take that. I'm just, I'm being honest. All right, from the 618, what's better, getting the $50 million kickback from the Rockies or not giving up any big names for Arenado? I would say not giving up any big names just based on a Randy Rosarena. And yeah. not that he, at the time, a lot of Cardinal fans were scratching their heads a little, but you you saw the Matthew Libertor return, and so and the immediacy of it, you weren't that bummed out. But if they would give up, Carlson or Libertor or somebody of that Cardinal fans were aware of again, like Randy Rosarena, and mm-hmm. they would go on to Colorado and be stars. I don't think that we would want to deal with that again. We care about stars going elsewhere. Yes. We don't care about the money that they're getting back. Correct. Great so, point. <laughs> so that's the way it is. Emily, thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We're going to continue with your participation coming up. We've got an early edition of Take It or Leave It next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We'd love to hear from you for Take It or Leave It here on 101 ESPN. And Michelle, we'll get things started with this. All right. After the age of 40, Gordy Howe, hockey had 287 goals. 287 is a lot of goals. Yeah. After the age of 40, Nolan Ryan had 1,350 strikeouts. After the age of 40, Tiger Woods came back from a massive back injury, multiple surgeries to win a golf championship and a Masters. Tom Brady would win his second Super Bowl after the age of 40 if they win on Sunday. Take it or leave it, that would be the greatest athletic achievement after the age of 40 of anybody. Wow, that's a really good one. And I might have to leave it only because what Tiger was able to overcome from a physical standpoint is remarkable. And Tom's body has been in tip-top shape. He looks better than, than most... 25 year olds. Yeah, he really does. So while it's incredible, I'm not taking anything away from him. It's just shocking, really, what he's been able to do at age 43. When we look at Tiger and everything that was working Mm -hmm. against Tiger, he couldn't even walk at, at one point. For him to come back and be able to win again, I think is probably the the most surprising and best accomplishment for someone over 40. Yeah, this is unprecedented, at least with golf. We'd seen a guy before, and with Nolan Ryan, a guy did it again. Randy Johnson was great. I don't think that certainly we've ever seen a quarterback or a football player do this, or we ever will again beyond the the age of 40. And because of its uniqueness, I'm going to go with Brady. Wow, look at you. Giving Brady props. Me too. It's a it's a new day here in yeah. St. Louis. Randy Carrick was calling Tom Brady the goat. Yeah, he's giving him props. He he's hey, he's on his way to his fourth legitimate Super Bowl championship. Oh, the fourth legitimate one. Yeah. What about the other few? Cheated. Oh well, okay. No, I'm there's at least one I agree with. Yeah. 
I think we can all agree on Carolina, the first Carolina and Philadelphia, the first Philadelphia that he won. That they they cheated to win, but they won. <laughs> <laughs> Will you ever get over that? No. I don't blame you. No. Just curious. Nobody that's a fan and nobody that's a player. Well, I, no, because there are, there are a lot of people that say get over it. And I guess they legitimately do. But when you're emotionally invested, as many of us were, and I was one of them, uh, no, that's like uh, death in the family. You lose a Super Bowl. That's a big deal. I, Especially I, when you should have won it. Correct. I think a lot of people will look back at that and say, well, look at what Tom Brady's been able to do, to do since then. Clearly, he that Super Bowl win wasn't only a product of him cheating. I'm not saying you should think that, but I'm saying I think that's what a lot of people's argument to you would be. I wonder, though, if they don't cheat to win that game and Kurt Warner wins his second Super Bowl, if Warner doesn't wind up being Tom Brady. And what happens to Tom Brady? Right. Yeah. Do they go back to Drew Bledsoe the next year? Right. That loss is what really started the end of the greatest show on turf because Mike Martz had the meltdown and he fell out of love with Warner and he fell out of love with Jay Zygmunt. There were a lot of things that happened after that Super Bowl loss. And it was because there was an uneven playing field. Hmm. Okay, Randy, we are very, very pumped about Nolan Arenado. We're very pumped that mm-hmm. John Mozalek and the Cardinals front office and Bill DeWitt and the ownership group finally made this move. So take it or leave it. You forgive them for dealing Randy or Rosarena. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. They still should have known. Not that he was going to do what he did in the playoffs last year. But they should have known that he would have been better than the alternatives that they had on hand. Of the six outfielders that they'll take to spring training this year, I think we can pretty much argue that at the moment, Randy Rosarena would be the best one. He would be the guy that we would all want. Agreed. Now, maybe Matthew Libertor does bounce back and uh, turns into a great player. But, uh, no, it's, uh, wouldn't it be great to have Arenado and a Rosarena? Yeah, that would be nice. That would be real nice. So, but I'm a forgiving sort today. Yeah, you are. Yeah. So I'm glad it's not Ask Uncle Randy Day. <laughs> I forgive him, too. At least right now. <laughs> Good. Let's see what Randy does during the season. But yeah. for right now, and we... And what Arenado are, does. And what Arenado does, correct. Emily, what do you got for us for the next minute or so? From the 636, take it or leave it, Jack Flaherty comes back this year as the ace of the staff. Take it. He's fired up. I take it, too. And motivated by big money. And motivated by big money, and there's going to be no restraints on him, hopefully. Uh, That's one thing we forget is last year, because of the shutdown and because of COVID and all of that, that they were very protective of him. So hopefully we see an unleashed and dominant Jack Flaherty. From the 618, take it or leave it, after years of scrutiny, Mo has now bought five years of time with the fan base. Um, no, I'll leave that. I'm going to leave that, too, just because people are fickle. And if they don't win in five years, people will be upset again. But I don't think it matters how much time he's earned with the fan base. He's got unlimited yeah. time with the ownership group. He got Paul Goldschmidt two years ago, That's and the right. fans hated him. And they were in the playoffs, and, and the NLC, yeah. playoffs last year, NLCS the year yeah. before that. Yeah, so... No, he's in a, in a no-win situation. Even if they win the World Series, uh, there are going to be those that say, well, what's next? People will look at that World Series that the Cardinals won with 
him as the GM and always say it was Tony La Russa. If people, if people don't like him, my point yeah. is they're always going to find a reason to not like him, exactly. regardless of what he does. But the body of work is pretty good. Yep. Coming up, and thank you, Emily. Appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line. Coming up, we're going to talk to NFL analyst Ross Tucker as we get ready for Super Bowl 55. Ross is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. It's 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Ross Tucker, on behalf of MyFrontPageStory.com, joins us. We'll talk about MyFrontPageStory.com in just a moment. You can follow Ross on Twitter at RossTuckerNFL. Good morning, Mr. Tucker. How are you this morning? Doing awesome. How are you guys doing? Everything's good here in St. Louis. I just asked Michelle during our last segment if she believed, and we, we both uh, uh, had some other players that we threw in there, is Tom Brady leading a team to the Super Bowl, the greatest achievement ever for an athlete over 30? Or 40, I mean, 40. Oh, geez. I mean, you got Tiger coming back and winning a Masters. You've got Nolan Ryan, 1,300 strikeouts after he turned 40. Uh, you've got Gordy House scoring almost 300 goals after he turned 40. So is Brady leading a team to a Super Bowl at 43 the best? I'm probably a little bit biased because I played with him. But let me just frame it for you like this, okay? I am really proud of my seven-year NFL career, which is twice the average, which is about three and a half. I came into the NFL a year after Tom in 2001. I retired in 2008. He's still playing. <laughs> it's 2021. He's still playing football, professional football. And he went to a new team in a new conference and won three road playoff games, including on the road against first ballot Hall of Famers Drew Brees at the Superdome and Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. So, yes, you bet your butt it's the most impressive thing for a guy over 40. Hey, Ross, here's a fun one that I came up with last week. In the 101-year history of the league, there have been 166 quarterbacks total that have more regular season touchdown passes than Brady has postseason touchdown passes. Well, I mean... All of the numbers for him are ridiculous. They'll be ridiculous. I mean, I don't believe, and this is, by the way, what makes this Super Bowl so interesting. I don't believe that anybody will ever come close to what he's done, right? I mean, the 14 conference championship games, the uh, 10 Super Bowl appearances, all that stuff, right? The thing that's crazy, though, the only human being I'm aware of that I can foresee even having like a 10% chance it's Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Like this is Mahomes is three for three in conference championship games. Mahomes is in his second Super Bowl. It's Mahomes. So it's just kind of crazy to me that the only guy I could ever envision, maybe, you know, 30 years from now we're talking Randy and we're saying, you know, who's the greatest of all time. Maybe, maybe Mahomes has a shot. I don't think he'll get there, and I'll tell you why. Because Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey aren't going to last forever. 
So, like, the Chiefs would have to get the next versions of those guys. That's the thing. Like, Brady's actually done it with, like, now three different groups of players. Uh, But I will say this. If he wants to have any shot, right, any shot, him being Mahomes, he's got to win Sunday. I mean, he's got he can't let Brady get seven Super Bowl victories and him only have one. He's got to win this one on Sunday. Ross, when I look at this matchup, I look at so many things that Kansas City is is lethal at, and I want to pick the Chiefs so badly. But based on everything you just said, I can't pick against Tom Brady. It seems like a fool's errand to pick against Tom Brady, even at this stage of the game. So as you look at this Super Bowl matchup, which team do you like and why? Well, a lot of people feel the way you do. But I'd also tell you I was on the sideline for that Chiefs-Bills AFC championship game for Westwood 1. And when they're playing their best, nobody can beat them. I mean, here's how I would describe it, right? Like, if both teams play their A game, both teams play well, the Chiefs are winning that game. You know, if they both play a B game, I think the Chiefs are winning that game. The the way in which the Bucs win is if they play really well and the Chiefs don't. And the way in which that happens is the Bucs D-line has to dominate. Because the Chiefs have had a bunch of injuries on the offensive line. I mean, even just Fisher getting hurt, they had to move the right tackle to left tackle, the right guard to right tackle, put a new guy in at right guard. So they just got worse at three spots. So the recipe for the Bucks to win is their D-line dominates, kind of like they did against Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game. I, I, I think it'll be close. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's like 27 24 Chiefs, something like that. All right. Ross Tucker with us on 101 ESPN. I want to ask you one other question before we talk about uh, what you're here with us today for, and uh, that's about the Rams trade. I know on your podcast you talked about the quarterback trade between the Rams and the Lions. Who do you think won that? Well, I think both teams got what they wanted from it. I think if you're looking at it, I think the Lions um, got a lot more. You know, it's really interesting because I I talked to Mike Tannenbaum, the former Jets and Dolphins GM on the Ross Tucker podcast this morning. He made a good point where he said he's not convinced that Matthew Stafford's a huge upgrade over Jared Goff. I mean, Jared Goff has won a lot of football games. He's played well in a lot of games. He's won a bunch of playoff games. Stafford's never won one. And we know that the Lions have a bad franchise. We know that. But at some point, don't you elevate the people around you to a point where maybe you can win a playoff game? I think, though, both teams got what they wanted, and I'll tell you why. In particular, the Rams, because I know that there's, they're of interest there in St. Louis. They really only have, I don't know, two or three more years where they have top five defensive players in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Like, people aren't top five defensive players for, like, 10 years. It just doesn't work that way, right? Mm -hmm. So they probably have a two- or three-year window where Ramsey and Donald are elite, elite players. And, by the way, that coincides with the exact two- or three-year window where they have to win the hearts and minds and, as I said on Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL, wallets of the people in Los Angeles. Bingo. And you guys might not be aware of this, but the owner for the Rams, he kind of likes money, and he kind of likes making money. Yeah, I know. Shocking, right? They, they, they have a brand-new stadium that they weren't allowed to have one solitary soul come into this year. 
they need butts and seats. They need excitement. They need to win. They needed the buzz of getting Matthew Stafford. They need to win big. They need to go for it and get people to get season tickets, people to come to the new stadium. And if that means they stink in 2024 and they have to take all their dead cat money and they've got no picks or whatever, I I think they realize the time to win the fandom of people in Los Angeles that are into football which we can debate how many that is, but whatever. The time to win those people's hearts, it's now. It's these next two or three years. And if they stink in 2024, so be it. Great point, Ross. Great point. So given what Matthew Stafford commanded, what is Deshaun Watson going to command and who's willing to give it up? I would not be surprised if they get four first-round picks. They are going to get a lot. He's 25 not 33 like Stafford. He has proven he can elevate the people around him and get the Texans to the playoffs and win playoff games. He's under contract the next five years at less than $30 million a year. I mean, you know, if you want to win a Super Bowl, look at the four guys that were in the conference championship games. The three leading candidates for MVP, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. you got to have one of those guys. Deshaun Watson is a top five guy. He's one of those guys. And I thought another good point, I don't want to steal his point, but Tannenbaum made on today's Ross Tucker podcast that people need to listen to, I think Deshaun Watson gets traded to either the New York Jets or the Miami Dolphins because the Jets have number two, the Dolphins have number three. They also have quarterbacks they can trade. But if you're the Texans – you're going to need something to be able to sell to your fans. You're going to need to be able to say, well, hey, we're turning the page, and now we use the number two pick on Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or whatever. So they're going to trade him, I think, to a team that has a high pick like that. Ross, meanwhile, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, meanwhile, I was just going to say, I don't know how much time we have, but if you're the Dolphins or the Jets, you can't let them go to the other team. You can't let him go to the other team. Then you, then you have another team in the division with Deshaun Watson and another team with Josh Allen. Yeah. You're dead. You're fired. That's a, a great point. Uh, Ross Tucker is with us on behalf of MyFrontPageStory.com. I took a look at the website. It looks really cool what they do. Greatest Valentine's Day gift ever. You literally talk to one of their writers for 10 minutes while you're driving to work or go to pick up Chick-fil-A or something. You tell them how great your significant other is. They write the most unbelievable story. It looks like it's, it's framed. It looks like it's on the cover of the St. Louis Dispatch. It looks amazing, right? And then here's the key. When you give it to your wife or whoever and say, hey, babe, I wanted something special for you this year, so I had a story written about you. Are you kidding me? Who gets a story written for somebody? Like, that just sounds awesome. Then when she actually reads it and she sees the quotes about how you don't appreciate, you don't tell her enough how much you appreciate everything she does for the family and around the house, I'm just telling you, she will cry, you will win. That should be the company's motto, myfrontpagestory.com. She'll cry, you'll win, myfrontpagestory.com. Ross, we love having you on. Thanks so much for taking the time. We know that you're busy, and we'll talk to you soon. See you guys. Take care. Ross Tucker of multiple platforms, including the Ross Tucker podcast. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Hear him on Westwood One. He's great. She'll cry, you'll win.
Yeah, yeah, if, if you can a get line. a sentimental gift to make your significant other cry, it's a W. It's a good play. Good play. Coming up on 101 ESPN with Carriker and Smallman, what do other baseball players think of Nolan Arenado's defense? We're going to hear a player that has seen a lot of him next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Two in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Carriker and Smallman with you. Punxsutawney Phil did see his shadow today, so six more weeks of winter. Come on, Phil. Yeah, you just close your eyes. Yeah. It'd be simple. So he did see his shadow Ugh. in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. By I the way, it's want- AMC that has the movie, the Groundhog Day movie marathon starting today. I believe in an hour or so. I have some AMC stock, so oh, I'm glad the no, company that's a, that... that's a different AMC. Oh, different AMC. Yeah, you, you've got the theaters, I believe. Oh, they're not tied together. I don't think so. Oh, this what is a American movie classics. Oh, so, either way, that. I'm pro AMC. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. There used to be a car company called AMC too, American oh, really? Motors Corporation. Yeah. So the Cardinals have closed out the deal for Nolan Arenado. He will be a Cardinal. Austin Gomber goes back to the Rockies in exchange for Arenado, along with Gomber. Minor leaguers Elahuris Montero, right-handed pitchers Tony Losey and Jake Summers, and infielder Mateo Gill. Montero, the Cardinals' number eight prospect. Losey was number 22. Gill was number 18. Summer's not in the Cardinals' top 30 prospects. And obviously the Cardinals are getting one of the best defenders, not only in the game now, but in the history of the game. And Matt Holliday played for a while with Arenado and got a chance to see that specialty. Holiday joined the fast lane yesterday and talked about that Arenado defense. I think people are going to love watching him play defense uh, just as much as they are watching him hit home runs as far as on a day-to-day basis. I mean, he makes a gold glove, like, superstar top 10 play I feel like every night and I watch you know I watch the Rockies games a lot because I have some friends over there and every night he makes a play where I'm like holy crap I mean this guy every night he makes a special play and so I think the fans are going to love to see that he's just uh his defense is just I mean it's just unbelievable and I I got a chance to see it up close in 18 and and obviously have have watched from afar and um it's going to be exciting to watch him play defense and obviously uh, he drives in 100 runs and hits 30 homers every year, and, and I think that he'll continue to do that. And this is a perfect place for him to be because people in St. Louis will appreciate that. They will appreciate his defense yep. just as much as they're going to pre- appreciate his offensive production. When you have an, another major leaguer that's saying, holy crap, yeah. how about that play? Yeah. And well, then, oh, by the way, so he's making holy crap plays and hitting 30 <laughs> homers and driving in 100 every year? It's pretty good. What is that, upgraded to holy bleep? <laughs> when you combine the two? Yeah, no doubt about but it. But Tim Kirchin yesterday told us he's the best defensive third baseman he's seen since Brooks Robinson. Yeah, he is sensational. And he should be a good hitter. And Holiday wound up being a really good hitter for the Cardinals after leaving Coors Field. So he was the perfect guy to ask about Arenado and what a different hitter he will be playing his home games out of the altitude. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, your body feels better. I mean, it's... It's uh, when you when you play in Denver, your 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 muscles and your and your tendons seem to ache a little bit more um, than sea level. I think the recovery is a little bit more difficult. Uh, I think you feel that over a long season. It takes a toll on your body. Uh, you don't feel quite as fresh when you're at home, say a ten day homestand. Uh, by the end of the homestand, your 
you're a little bit more sore in the mornings and, and it takes a little longer to get loose. Your elbow's a little tighter. Um, and, I, and I think that that's something you notice right away um, when, you, when you play at sea level every day. Um, so I think that that definitely helps from a, how your body feels standpoint. Um, I, I think when, you, when you're used to seeing, I guess, you know, when you play half your games at course Field and, and everybody, I think it's even science, it's the breaking ball just doesn't quite spin the same uh, at, at altitude. Uh, so you become a little bit more, I guess, consistent with what the breaking ball looks like and you're not kind of adjusting back and forth to, to how sliders break or, or curveballs break. Um, so I, I would say those are probably the, the two things that stand out the most as far as uh, just the, the recovery and, and then the off-speed pitch is looking a little bit different. Never thought of it that way. That makes a lot of sense. He can come here and have that nice Midwestern air. Yeah, right. <laughs> to help with the recovery process. But I think there's any concern when you have an offensive, offensively productive player from Colorado coming to another team, how much of what we're seeing is a product of Coors Field. But I think here in St. Louis, you can look at the history that we have with players like Matt Holiday and trust the front office to be able to evaluate that and determine what's real and what's maybe a little inflated. But I don't think... I watched a lot of highlights of Nolan Arenado over the weekend, Randy, and I saw him hitting bombs at Wrigley Field. I, yep. th- I think it's going to translate just fine. And he tries to emulate Holiday's swing with his swing. And like Matt said, the guy's hit 40 playing his home games in Denver. He, he might be a 30-homer, 100-RBI guy here. We, could, we would take a 30-homer. Last time we had a 100-RBI guy, it was Matt Holiday. Wow. Yeah, we'll take it. So we, we know we have that going for us. Now, Jessica Mendoza sees all the best teams, and ESPN's Jessica was asked what Arenado brings to this particular team in St. Louis. What I get excited about, of course, is the offense. I mean, you got to remember the St. Louis Cardinals team finished last in the majors in home run rate the last season, and Nolan Arenado, he's averaged, you think, between 2015 and 2019. Those five seasons, he averaged 300 with an average of 40 home runs per season, over 120 RBIs. I mean, this is a full-blown player. And, Jay, you nailed it with the defense. Between him and Paul Goldschmidt at the corners, the gold gloves. I mean, Nolan Arenado is one of the best defensive third basemen you are ever going to see in the game of baseball. And the fact that he's in St. Louis, it gets me excited being a bigger market team that more eyes are going to be on this great player. He, he first of all, it's interesting that we're considered a bigger market I team know, because I we know. have a national I, fan base. I thought the same thing. But but it's it, there will be more eyes on him, yeah. that's for sure, no doubt. And I do think that what we will see from the third baseman, and just look what Paul Goldschmidt did for the defense a couple of years ago, just by be, being able to make plays on a lot of the balls that Carpenter couldn't when he was playing first base. When you have an elite third baseman and an elite first baseman, we've seen it a lot here in St. Louis. We've been lucky. Most teams can't say they've had an Overfell and a Hernandez or a Pendleton uh, playing third base for you or moving all the way up to Roland and, uh, and Albert. Now that you've got Arenado and Goldschmidt, you've got pretty incredible defense at the corners. And I think what those guys do is they make the middle infielders better. As good as Paul DeYoung is and metrically, he, he's right there at the top of the National League shortstop list defensively. And whatever Tommy Edmond is, those guys are going to make the infielders, the, the middle infielders better too. Remember when Paul Goldschmidt came to St. Louis and I told you, I believe it was Matt Carpenter. I need to go back and find out who it was, but I believe it was Matt Carpenter that called him the force multiplier who said that he's so good. He's going to make everyone else around him 
Nolan Arenado is the same deal. Whether it's from an offensive standpoint, a defensive standpoint, a work ethic standpoint, he's going to, again, be a full, a force multiplier and make people around him that much better. And Michelle, when we look at that list of players that the Cardinals gave up, and we all expect that Austin Gomber is going to be a nice middle-of-the-rotation starting pitcher. And Montero might wind up being a good hitter. I don't believe he'll wind up having as good a career as Nolan Arenado. The other players, just think of the Cardinals giving Colorado lottery tickets. And if Colorado's lucky enough to get a winning lottery ticket in Tony Losey or Mateo Gill or Jake Summers, you just say, okay, well, we weren't lucky. We gave a lottery ticket as a gift, and it wound up being a big winner for somebody else. That's what those three players are. And they're looking at Tampa Bay and saying, they got a winner. Yeah. Right. From the Cardinals, they got a winner. Yep. But Tampa Bay had done their research, obviously. I don't know sure. that Colorado's done the research on these guys. I really do think that in the big trades that have been made this offseason, Lindor to the Mets, Darvish to the Padres, Arenado to the Cardinals, I think for the most part, the prospects that have been given up are lottery tickets. And for that reason, if those guys turn into great players, Losey, Gill, Summers particularly, that won't bother me. It won't bother me as much as the Rosarena because we were all thought during the 2019 season that the Cardinals should do something with him. I didn't think that they should play him during the pennant race, but I thought that he should have gotten more at-bats. But with these guys, they're your numbers, what do we say, 18, 22, 19, 22 prospects, and a guy that's not in your top 30. And you're getting a known and proven commodity in return. Right. So you, you always... Not always, but most of the time you should. And baseball's gotten away from this. It's a problem. Should trade a might be for an is. I've always had that philosophy. If you have a might be, and you, if you can trade Dylan Carlson for Mike Trout, and you can afford it, you do it. You trade oh, you a guy that it. might yeah. be good for a guy that is good already. So I like that. All right. We also need to note that the Blues are in action tonight, trying to win their fourth in a row. You'll hear the game here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game at 6, action at 7 as they try to beat the Arizona Coyotes. Looking forward to that. Let's go Blues. Let's go Blues. So we've got a team playing and a team that's making moves. Did you see the um, the difference in the tweets that came from the Cardinals about the Arenado trade and the Rockies? <laughs> yes, I did. So the Cardinals said, worth the wait, exclamation point, with a great graphic of Nolan in a Cardinal uniform with the arch in the background saying, welcome to St. Louis. The Rockies tweeted, the deal is done with a the sad face emoji with one singular <laughs> tear rolling down its face. And don't even say what the deal is. It just says the deal is done. The deal is done. <laughs> I, I thought, man, it must really be rough to be a Rockies fan right now. And now Trevor Story is unhappy. I have that for you. And you're killing me, Smalls, later. I'll let you hear what he had to say about his buddy Nolan Arenado leaving Colorado. It has to be rough to be a fan of that franchise. And here's the real problem. It's, and it's getting worse for them. They will never win at altitude, even with the humidifier ball. Because of what Matt talked about, your body never feels good. So many pitchers I've, I've talked to, because I, re I read Tom Glavin say this, that the hardest he ever had to work pitching was in Coors Field, because as Matt mentioned, the ball doesn't break the same as in Coors as it does in other places. And a lot of times you get to Coors Field and it doesn't break at all because there's just no humidity. Mm -hmm. And there will never be enough pitchers to throw enough pitches for them to win all of their pitchers are going to be worn out by the end of seasons man so they'll never they had that run in 2007 with matt mm -hmm. but they're gonna win a world series there ever no never
<laughs> you heard it here first. Yep. Doesn't matter. We can go back to the dead ball era, and they still aren't going to win. That is our fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Super Bowl week, and a lot of things going on in the NFL, more than usual. So we've got NFL news and notes for you coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, time for some NFL news and notes. Yesterday, you had the virtual Super Bowl Monday night, and Tom Brady was asked a lot of questions, as you might guess, and some of those were about Bill Belichick and what he would say to Bill Belichick as he heads towards Super Bowl 55 without the coach that he's been to nine Super Bowls with. Well, I I have a great relationship with him, and uh, again, I'm just incredibly grateful for uh, you know what he's meant in my life. Uh, as a coach, and um, I, he was everything you could ask for as a player. And uh, you know, I love my time. I had two incredible decades there, and um, you know, my football journey took me to a different place. And I certainly could never have accomplished the things in my career without uh, his support and uh, his teachings. And um, incredible coach and mentor for me. And uh, I've had a lot of those in my career, but obviously, he's at the top of the list. Says the right things. Must have practiced that one. I would think so. He knew that was coming. If we could do the decoder, what do you think he really wanted to say? He said, I didn't have any fun for two decades. We did win a lot, and he was a part of it, but I was really the big part. But I'm having fun here and doing the same thing. I can have fun and win, and I found out way too late. I think he would just say, ha, 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 ha. it was all me. And I'm proving that now. I'm proving that now. Brady's team will face Patrick Mahomes in Super Bowl 55. And those two have had some conversations in the past, including after the Patriots won the 2018 AFC Championship because Mahomes didn't see the ball in overtime. For me, I think it was important because it, it showed that I was doing things the right way. As a young quarterback in this league, um, you, you, you kind of go in and you, you show up early and you try to put in the time and put in the work, um, but you don't really know until you get to that 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 spot of where you want to be at. And uh, losing an AFC championship game, obviously I didn't get to the Super Bowl, but then him uh, coming in and kind of just, just saying that uh, he respected what I was doing and how I was playing on the field and the type of person that I was. Um, it, it kind of just put that stamp on me that I needed to go in and even be better uh, in order to get to the Super Bowl, which we did last year. And uh, I'll just try to keep improving and keep getting better every single day. And he's as good as it gets right now. And teams want the next Patrick Mahomes or a guy similar to Patrick Mahomes. And there's going to be one that's going to become available because Deshaun Watson, even though the Texans might not know it yet, he's going to force them to trade him. I think they know. They just are refusing to admit reality. Yeah, and are they trying point, to play coy? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Say no, you can't have him. Maybe Nick, drive at the asking price. Nick Casario, denial is more than just a river in Egypt. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it seems like the powers that be in Houston cannot read the room. No. As we like to say here. It seems like they cannot. They're incapable of reading the room. And here is a top five quarterback. And Adam Schefter of ESPN says, man, if teams don't call about this guy. I think the Dolphins really like him. But you'd be crazy not to go look at Deshaun Watson if he's out there. Right? So 
Again, we talked about this this morning. You can make that argument for 25 teams in the league. Would you trade my guy for him? And what else would you have to do? And does that make us better? Go through it. I mean, it's an interesting exercise to go through all the teams like that. So there's not a lot there that Tua can say. It's a tough spot. But there are a lot of people waiting to see their future. Jared Goff is going to be traded Saturday night. No idea. And boom. Ross Tucker said four first-rounders. I think that is absolutely legit. And that's Uh why I think the Dolphins and the Jets have the inside track here because they both have a young quarterback Mm -hmm. that they can move as a placeholder to to the Texans. They both have multiple picks in the first round this year. So you give up two picks this year and then your next two and maybe another pick or another player, and you might have a deal. And based on reports, those are both destinations where he would like to go. Yeah. Which, I mean, I know it's New York. But the, and it's I know Robert Jets. Sala, a lot of people really like him, but it's the Jets. Sala was apparently the tipping point, though, in Houston. The fact that they didn't interview Sala was the reason that Watson decided he didn't want to be there anymore. I know he's a fan, but I would I would rather roll the dice in Miami, even though they even though he likes Robert Sala. And even though it is New York, there just seems to be something about that franchise where things go awry. Yeah, it's true. And the Dolphins have been so good. For the last 30 years. <laughs> fair. Fair. <laughs> However, Randy, they're trending up. Yeah. Our Dolphins are trending up. Here Brian, come the Dolphins. Here come the Dolphins. Brian Flores has instilled a culture and an identity. They have a great defense. Bring in Deshaun Watson. The quarterback trade that has been made, obviously, the Rams and the Lions. Matthew Stafford to L.A. and Jared Goff to Detroit. Mike Tannenbaum, former general manager and a big contributor to the Jets' problems over the last decade or so (laughs) now of ESPN is looking at Sean McVay and saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to say just because you made this deal, you're still Mr. Genius. In my opinion, Sean McVay does not get a free pass. If I'm Les Snead, I go into a room and I say, you know what? We're going to make this trade extremely reluctantly because two years ago, you told me that Jared Goff's the guy we could go win with. We paid him $135 million, almost half of which was guaranteed. And now as a coach, two years later, you can't win with this guy. So Mm -hmm. we're going to make this trade. But as a coach, you should be a problem solver. That's not the way it works with Ramsland, though. They're all people pleasers. So he's not going to say we're going to make this trade reluctantly. He's going to say, oh, I get to make another trade. Also, the Rams, not defending them, but they were in a difficult spot with Jared Goff at the time. The Super Bowl, you didn't really know what Mm -hmm. else was out there. It this is the this is what happens with a quarterback when a contract situation arises. You're going to have to pay them a ton of money, even if they don't necessarily deserve it. But they gave him that contract after three years. Just saying. They could have gone four and then picked up the fifth year option, and they could have he could have been a free agent this year. And if he turns out being great, then you franchise him. They played it completely wrong, but they did that with Gurley too, and that's why they're paying those guys more than thirty million dollars next year. And I think what Ross Tucker told us earlier in the show, there's a lot of validity to that. This is a win-now play, not only because they want to capitalize on the defensive powers that they have in Aaron Donald, obviously, Jalen Ramsey, but they need to get butts in the stadium. And Jared Goff (laughs) does not inspire people to want to spend money. And at least with Matthew Stafford, people in Los Angeles might be intrigued to see him play or might think, hey, they're going for it. They have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Let's buy some PSLs. Yeah, good luck. Because that's what this is all yeah. about with them, right? Follow yeah, the but, money. Right, but they aren't going to buy PSLs. 
It's not going to happen. Because LeBron's down the street? Yeah, exactly. Michelle, remember, it was a, a really long time ago when that new coach in Jacksonville, Urban Meyer, <laughs> he, he said he was going to, because he's got Trevor Lawrence, he took the job because of the number one pick in the draft, Trevor Lawrence, and he's going to hire a superstar coaching staff because they need to nurture this guy along. The Jaguars said that, and Urban Meyer said that. Okay. He hired Brian Schottenheimer as his quarterback coach. Oh. We what? had him here yeah, in St. Louis. We know him well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. He's getting so much mileage out of being with Drew Brees for four years and Phillip Rivers for two. I mean, he was he was Russell Wilson's offensive coordinator last year. We could be Russell Wilson's offensive coordinator. Anybody. Right. Anybody could. He's He developed Sam Bradford. Well, he got Sam Bradford killed. <laughs> Do you think Sam Bradford is watching Schottenheimer get all this love and all these jobs and watching Josh McDaniels yeah, get all this love and all on. these jobs? And he's like, is anyone going to talk to me about this? <laughs> I can't even walk anymore. Yeah, what's going on? But that's what happens in the NFL. You have some buddies. They look at what they look at the good stuff. They look at the highlight reels on the resume far more than they look at the failures. Which is why I'm telling you Steve Spagnuolo is going to be a head coach again, or at least get the opportunity. If they win this Super Bowl, I would I would put money on it in Vegas that someone will hire Spags. Yeah, there's a chance. I, I would agree with you because of if he gets back-to-back rings and beats Brady again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of things you can look toward to in his time in St. Louis. And he could say they weren't trying to win. Look at the situation around me. Sam Bradford was her. all all of mm-hmm. these things that he can put on the table as reasons and legitimate. Le- some legit of them ones, yeah. legit reasons why he didn't have success here in St. Louis. And he learned a lesson and learned some lessons here, too. I'm not saying that he should be a head coach. I I would like to see him get the opportunity. But he said that that's something he might be interested in. And I could totally see a franchise taking a shot on him. What about Jeff Fisher? No, I think that ship has sailed. I think so, too. So Schottenheimer, the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator with Jacksonville. Part of that superstar coaching staff. If the ship that has sailed, if we say the ship has sailed for Mm -hmm. Jeff Fisher, I think it's more of a pontoon boat. Yeah, it is. And he's just fishing off the edge. Yeah, Yeah. Brady's a yacht, a super yacht. Belichick is a is a nice boat, but a little unassuming, probably. Mm-hmm. I imagine Jeff Fisher's to be a pontoon boat. Maybe some Keystone lights in the cooler. Yeah, absolutely. And Turkey Sandies. Here's Maybe the thing subs. is Josh McDaniels is this beautiful probably like a thirty five foot cruiser that just looks fantastic. But then it has a hole in the bottom, and you know it's just going to sink like a rock once you get it out on the water. No, So the problem with that boat is the hole is so small that the boat continues to go, and you're unaware of the hole until you get out to sea. And then all of a sudden... And then it's a problem. It's not as if the the boat is filling up with water as you're leaving the dock. It's when you get out to sea. Yeah. So... What happens with Josh McDaniels is ultimately you've got people yelling, Jack Rose, Jack Rose. <laughs> I'll hold on to you forever. And he then could have fit on that door, you know. There's been many There's, studies done. They could have played cards on that door. <laughs> There's no doubt. It's ridiculous. <laughs> she was like, no, we're good here. <laughs> Thanks for everything. I'm keeping the necklace. And then she throws it in the water. <laughs> that was the most ridiculous part of that entire movie. Yeah. 
You could no have been a multi-millionaire. No one thought, wow, what a romantic gesture because now your heart and the diamond heart is with Jack in the ocean. Everyone's thinking, oh. what about your grandchildren? Grandchildren and wasting all those people's time? Unbelievable. No one's ever going to find this thing. I think in another movie they would have called her a biatch. <laughs> oh, really? She was a nice old woman. She was... Yeah, not that nice. You know, I think at that stage of the game, she might have been a couple sandwiches short of a picnic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if I was an heir, and I would be very upset that the huge, what was it, a sapphire yeah. rock goes down into the ocean? Do you think she ever told anybody? To be with some guy you hooked up with on a boat decades ago? Are yeah, you kidding for, me? for two days. What about my grandpa? The disrespect. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Those are NFL news and notes coming up. We got the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It is 836. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Before we jump into the fight, we have two exciting programming notes for you here on 101 ESPN, both Nolan Arenado related. He is going to be interna- introduced excuse me, by the Cardinals today at 11 a.m. on a Zoom, and we will be carrying that here live on 101 ESPN, so you're going to want to listen to that. And then we have a guest joining us at the 9 o'clock in the 9 o'clock hour at the 9 o'clock segment. Ozzy Smith, Hall of Famer, is going to join us here on Carriker and Smallman to talk about Nolan Arenado joining the Cardinals. Maybe ask him what he sees in Nolan defensively. It's going to be great. Looking forward to talking to the Wizard again at 9 a.m. But let's welcome in our fighter today. Andrew is with us. Good morning, Andrew. How's your day going so far? Oh, it's going pretty good. How about you? Things are going great here. Randy and I are having a great time as always, you know. Um, Who can't with Arenado coming? I was just going to say, since Friday night, I don't know how anyone in St. Louis can be in a bad mood, at least for a few weeks. At least until the season starts. Let's see what happens. Stay positive. That's right. Stay positive. All right, Andrew, let's jump into the fight. Question number one for you. Who is the all-time career points leader in men's college basketball? Is it Chris Clemens, Pete Maravich, or Freeman Williams? Pete Maravich. Andrew, what was the original name of the Kansas City Chiefs? Was it the Texans, the Wolverines, or was it the Chiefs? Texans. As odd as that sounds. (laughs) Question number three, Andrew. Nolan Arenado has only hit for the cycle one time in his career so far on Father's Day back in 2017. Which team did he do this against? Was it the Giants, the Dodgers, or the Padres? Oh, let's go with the Padres because I have no idea. <laughs> and which Blues player currently leads the team in goals this season? Is it Jordan Cairo, David Perron, or Braden Shen? Oh, it's either Cairo or Shen. Um, go with Shen. He's been on a hot streak. Yes, he has. We are checking score here. Randy is on his way in. And speaking of the Blues... And Braden Shen in his hot streak. You can listen to the game tonight, the Blues versus Coyotes. We're going to have pregame for you starting at 6 p.m. And Randy is dropping off donuts as I'm reading this. What? 
Oh, man, Randy. Thanks to Duck Donuts. We Thank you to Duck Donuts. This is... These smell like heaven. We're, we might have to take these out of the studio because they smell so good. This is going to be very yeah. distracting. <laughs> but anyway, we have the pregame for you at 6 p.m. Blues versus Coyotes tonight here on 101 ESPN. The puck drops at 7. Randy, please say good morning to Andrew. Andrew, how you doing? I'm peachy, Randy. Excited for today. I'm glad you are. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. All right, Randy. Question number one. Who is the all-time career points leader in men's college basketball? So this is not points per game. This is total points. All-time career points leader in men's college basketball. I will go, I think. I've got a coin flip here, and if one of these guys is on the list, I'm going to take it. So go ahead. Is it Chris Clemens? Is it Pete Maravich? Or is it Freeman Williams? He's Pistol Pete. That's Pete Maravich. Yes, I'm aware. Thank you. I, I was no. going to say either him or Christian Leitner. Oh. So since he was on the list, I'm going with him. Good, good call. Randy, what was the original name of the Kansas City Chiefs? Was it the Texans? Oh, no, no. Dal- you don't give nope, it the Dal- answer. Dallas Texans. That's okay. <laughs> I knew it. That's all right. I'm like, don't, oh, don't worry. But then we'll have people texting in free Andrew or justice for Andrew excuse me all right question number three Nolan Arenado has only hit for the cycle one time in his career so far on Father's Day 2017 which team did he do this against Father's Day 2017 I'm going to say that he did it against the Padres this is the first team that came to mind that's what Andrew guessed too Hmm. just saying and which Blues player currently leads the team in goals this season? Jordan Cairo. Wow. Quite the fight today. And in a shaka, we've got a winner. We have a winner and new champion, Average Joe Listener. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Congrats, Andrew. You edged Randy out three to two. You take home the W today. Let's run through the answers. The all-time career points leader in men's college basketball is Pete Maravich, 3,667. The original name of the Kansas City Chiefs was the Texans, founded in 1960 as the Dallas Texans. I don't like that name. Dallas Texans. That's why they moved them. <laughs> and then the Cowboys started up. Yeah, right. Um Nolan Arnato hit for the cycle one time in his career, Father's Day 2017. He did this against the Giants. Oh, okay. Not the Padres. And the Blues player that currently leads the team in goals this season is Braden Shen with six. Shenner with six. Yeah, I, I with six. thought of that after. Well, congratulations, Andrew. You won the fight day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. One step closer to the Hall of Fame. Sounds good. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Good to have you with us here on 101 ESPN. Randy, these donuts smell so good. Take a look at those. <laughs> you totally did, did you tell folks what's coming up at 9? I did. Ozzy Smith, the great Ozzy Smith, Hall of Famer, coming up at 9 a.m. here on Carriker and Smallman. And then we're going to carry the Nolan Arenado introductory press conference Zoom at 11 a.m. Should be a lot of fun today here on 101 ESPN. Next up, as we roll on with Carriker and Smallman, with the Blues allowing more fans into uh, the next series, and tonight, 1,400, do fans actually want to go to games with everything that's surrounding them? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
couple of texts. This one from the 636. I'm happy to see Randy lose the fight after that insensitive remark he made last hour about Sam Bradford not being able to walk. If you're not aware of it, Sam Bradford had like two severe ACL tears and had to retire because his his knee was bone on bone. Uh, and he had great difficulty getting around. And as time goes on, that difficulty will increase. And that happens to a lot of people. We interviewed Earl Campbell at a Super Bowl one time, and he was in a wheelchair. He, that happens to a lot of football players. It's not a sport that lacks for gruesomeness. Absolutely not. I will never forget being there, watching, listening to on 101 ESPN, those injuries that Sam sustained. That was so brutal. I always felt so badly for him. I wonder what he's doing now. He's really disappeared, hasn't he? Yeah, I wonder I wonder what he's doing. I hope he's doing well because he went through some tough times here in St. Louis. He really did. And he never was someone to publicly complain. We no. see players now being more vocal about bad situations. Look at what Deshaun's doing. Sam could have easily done something like that. He could have ripped the coaching staff. He could have ripped what was happening here, and he never did. Yeah, good for him on that part. Actually, maybe he should have. <laughs> Blues tonight, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff, and the Blues will have their biggest crowd so far, about 1,400 people, and we get this text as well, this one from the 636. Personally, would love to go to a Blues game again, but I don't see myself loving the idea of trusting 1,399 and other people to have been COVID safe knowing what I see in public. And Michelle, that's kind of the way I feel. I, I want to get to games. I want to experience the ambiance and the excitement of being in Enterprise Center again. But I think I'm going to wait until we have a little bit more vaccination knowledge and a little bit knowledge, more knowledge of what people are uh, dealing with in terms of COVID-19. And I know that there are people that are absolutely fearless about it and good for them but i'm kind of like our texter i would be inclined to not trust to the 1399 other people in the building i think it would depend on how everything was spaced out and if you wore your mask the entire time but think about it we go into grocery stores with people in a vicinity with them and you're in there sometimes and i'm in there and out of there as quickly as possible but i just think that some some people may have already had it or they may be a little feel a little bit more safe based on the spacing that's going to happen at Enterprise Center based on some things that you're doing in your day-to-day life. I think with the, the, the odds actually are probably pretty strongly in your favor in terms of not getting sick because a lot of people have had it. This is a group of people that primarily, there, there are going to be season ticket holders, but you still have people that are working in hospitals that have also been vaccinated. Right, exactly. And hopefully you've got people that are concerned about it. But all it takes is that one person. And if you have a person in your family that has some condition, conditions, pre-existing conditions, like I have at home, I wouldn't want to get it even if I didn't have any symptoms and pass it along to members of my family. That's true. But I am excited to see fans getting back in the stands. Yeah. And I know that the Blues and other Sports organizations that are putting fans back in the stands are taking this very seriously and they're taking all the precautions. But just to know that people are getting vaccinated and there are steps that are being taken towards normalcy is a great relief. And while you certainly want everyone to be safe, it is a personal decision.
decision at this point. And I don't know. I just like that there's – I like to hear that crowd noise, Randy, when I listen oh, to the games here on 101 ESPN. It's nice to hear those voices back in Enterprise Center. And I know having fans back in is going to be impactful for the players as well. You can hear – I mean, you saw – you might have seen on Twitter what happened with LeBron James last night. Right. There's fans chirping again, and players are having to adjust to that. And I think – when you're the Blues and you're coming back to Enterprise Center and you're having your fans there making noise and you feel that energy again, it's a completely different experience. This will be the fifth NHL team to have fans paying for tickets. 14 NHL games have been played with paid attendance so far. Arizona has played six of those, averaging about 2,300 fans a game. Dallas has played four. They average about 4,100 fans a game. The Panthers have played two, averaging 3,900. So their attendance hasn't gone down at all. Uh, Nashville has not announced attendance figures, but they've had a couple of hundred fans pay for tickets through a lottery system. And season ticket holders have been told for the Blues that, uh, or, or for the Predators, rather, the ticket that attendance was close to 700 fans a game. So if you have 700 fans, 1,000 fans in a 20,000-seat arena, for right. the most part, you should feel like you're okay. If you're wearing a mask the whole time, too, because I imagine that's part of it, that you're supposed to be masked up, right? Yeah. A couple of texts from the 636. I went to a Colts game and would absolutely go to Blues games. Uh Here's one from the 314. Blue season ticket holders are buying to sell on StubHub. That sucks. Yeah. Hopefully they're selling to other Blues fans. Rare, well, I, I would hope so. You yeah. Don't worry about Arizona Coyotes fans you buying up your tickets. You never know. Yeah. And from the 314, it's a virus. It'll find its way regardless of how hard you try. The president of the United States got it, the most protected person. We won't give this time back. You have to live your life. And, yeah, you do. There's no doubt about it, but you can also live your life in a way that protects you and those around you as much as possible. How about this one from the 678? I've simply missed the interaction. I still wish they played country roads, even without fans in the stands, so we could at least sing along at home. You do miss those little moments. You you miss the towel man, and you miss country roads, and you miss the goal horn when you're in the stadium and the way it mm-hmm. echoes and the way that it feels. We took that stuff for granted for so long. How many nights did you have tickets to a game where you thought, you know, I'm going to go, but I have a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, I hope the the traffic's not bad. What's the weather going to be like? Parking. Parking, whether it was at Enterprise Center or Bush Stadium. You know, none of those factors matter now. Once once we're all vaccinated and we can get back in there, I will happily pay for parking. I will happily brave the elements and and go to a game, whether it's the humidity, the the terrible humidity in the summer or freezing cold in an October postseason game. All of those things, when they're taken away from you, you appreciate them that much more. And for me, once I have that shot in my arm, I'm going. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And like I said, there, and I appreciate the people that are fearless and don't have to worry about family members that can just go in and live their life and not have to worry about the health and well-being of anybody around them. I think that would be awesome. But in this time where we've lost almost a half million people in our country, I don't think that uh, from my own personal perspective, that would be the smart move to make. True. And we all have to make our own choices in that regard. Here's a texter from the 618 getting the second vaccine today. Awesome. Congrats. Good for you. Also from the 618, I'm an usher and don't look forward to having to tell a drunk fan to put their mask on. That is a problem. That's the one thing that would concern me if I went is that 
not everyone is going to want to keep it on the whole time or keep it above their nose the whole time. That stinks if you're the person that has to enforce that. Because yeah. you're just trying to do your job and make sure that everybody's safe. Yeah. And from the 314, Jim's in St. Charles at peak time with 100 people working out next to school, uh, next to school other with no mask and no outbreaks. Thoughts? That's great. That's, if you can go through life in this time and have people working out and breathing like that, 100 people in close proximity and not have any issues, good for you. Yeah. But hopefully... No one in there gets sick and spreads it. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that the Cardinals, who weren't even working out, they were just in an airplane together. They had a, a breakout that almost cost them their season. That's true. So everybody at some point has been vulnerable. Some people getting sicker than others. A lot of people getting it, having no symptoms whatsoever. But some people are dying. True. So, and, hey, for those of you that are going to go tonight, have fun. Be safe. Mask up. And enjoy a Blues victory over Arizona. That's right. And be loud. Yeah. We do want to hear you on 101 ESPN with the the Let's Go Blues chant. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to the greatest defensive shortstop in the history of baseball. He's going to talk about one of the greatest defensive third basemen in the history of baseball. Ozzie Smith on the acquisition of Nolan Arenado next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. It is Carricker and Smallman. The Cardinals officially announcing last night the acquisition of Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies. And we get a chance to visit with the greatest defensive shortstop of all time on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, the one and only Ozzie Smith. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. How you doing? Great. Good to have you with us. And first of all, how's your winter going? Well, like everybody else is, you know, trying to stay out of the way of COVID and trying to abide by the rules and, and hopefully we can get past this thing here so we can enjoy uh, the Cardinal baseball and the new acquisition of uh, Nolan Arenado. And obviously you're a guy who watches defense intently, as we mentioned. Uh, you, you played the game at the highest level. What are your impressions of him as a defensive player? Well, he's probably one of the best uh, defensive players that uh, third baseman that we've had a chance to to see in quite a while, and you know he he gives you he gives you both both elements. You know he's a great uh, offensive player as well as a great defensive player. So you know it's just amazing that you're able to get a player and not have to give up. You know uh, uh, as more than we had to give up to to get a player of his caliber. Ozzy, how much better do you think Nolan Arenado can make this Cardinals team? Well, I mean, it, I think it goes without saying. He's one of those guys that uh, have an instant impact. Um, he can change momentum on both offense and defense. And when you have a player who can change momentum, both offensively and defensively, it's going to do nothing but improve your club. And, you know, the corners now are as sound as they've been in a long time. And it's going to give you that consistency and, and certainly from a pitching standpoint, you're going to have a level of confidence now uh, in your pitching staff that's going to make them better as well. I was wondering about that. If that, if that, this infield defense with uh, 
DeYoung, who gets better all the time, and Tommy Edmund Goldschmidt, and now Arenado joins that group. We're such a strikeout game right now. But if you're a Cardinal pitcher, if you're Mike Maddox, a pitching coach, you have to have a lot of confidence in the ability defensively of your group. Oh, yeah, you got to. I mean, it does nothing but, Bill, uh, your level of confidence. And, and, you know, that's what it's all about, Randy, being confident and going out there and knowing that if you get a ground ball, you're, you're going to get an out. And they certainly possess that now. I, I, and I don't know what they're going to do with the, with the second base situation, but, you know, if Tommy Edmond is that guy, then I think you know what you're going to get there. You don't get an effort every day. And you look around the infield now, you know what you're going to get every day. And that, uh, that plays a lot into uh, how you approach the game every day. Ozzy, this seems to be a great fit for the Cardinals on the field, but it seems to be a great fit off the field as well. Nolan Arenado wants to come to St. Louis because, as he said many times publicly, he wants to win. Paul Goldschmidt said the same thing when he came to St. Louis. That I want to go to St. Louis because they are a franchise that's continually trying to win and being put in the position to win. And that's a good reminder for us here in St. Louis that outside of St. Louis, players still view this as a top place to be in the league. Well, certainly. I think that when you when you think of the St. Louis Cardinals, as I did before I came over here, you think of tradition. You think of the Stan Musials, the Red Shanding, the Bob Gibsons, the Lou Brock. There's a lineage of players there that um, have played the game at a certain level, and you certainly would like to be a part of that. And uh, a player of his caliber coming here, things are it's never it's not going to get anything but better, you know, as we go forward here because. He's uh, he fits into the cardinal mode of the type of player that that we've always had around here that we've become accustomed to. Hey, as I remember you talking about how the range of Terry Pendleton allowed you to do some things at the shortstop position, especially kind of cheating towards second base. Can you just talk about the, that interaction between a, a good defensive third baseman and a good defensive shortstop, and how that can make the the entire left side of the infield get covered? Well, it, it's real simple. It, you know, all the guys are right-handed, you know, so your, your, your strength is to your left, you know, so it allows you now to, 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 to go more to your left and move more to your strength side. And um, from third base all the way around the first base now, you know, you got ground, you got guys who can cover ground. Your biggest problem now is running into each other, not, <laughs> not, you know, not, uh, not, each other out getting the balls but that's a great problem to have you know when you have guys who have the range that this infield now has um it's certainly right now at the top is one of the best infields in baseball and i know that you know how hard arenado works and you worked so hard you took it back to ground zero every year in spring training you worked hard every day in spring training you worked hard every day during the season and to be a great defensive player, you, you just can't go out there. You, you really have to put a lot into it. And the work that he puts into it, especially at the level that he's at, I would think would trickle down to everybody else. They'll say, man, if he's doing that, then I have to do that too. Well, certainly. That's, uh, that's Cardinal baseball. That's what we, uh, it's what we pride ourselves on uh, every day. And, and, you know, watching a player uh, of his caliber um, – you know that he's putting forth the effort. It's not what he does at seven o'clock or seven fifteen or seven thirty. It's what he does before that gets him in a position to be successful uh, when he does when they do say play ball. And he's certainly one of those players that you know that the effort is going to be there day in and day out. And you got to fall in love with the process. 
he's one of those guys that love the process, and the process is practice, 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 because all your hard work is done in the off season. When the when the season starts, you know, hey, you just put it on autopilot and let it go. Ozzy, one thing that the Cardinals seem to do pretty seamlessly is pass the torch from generation to generation. I know Adam Wainwright is returning to the Cardinals. It seems like Yadier Molina is going to be close behind him. But we know that the end of the road is going to be there for those guys eventually. But it's great to have those guys who were connected to the last championship still be with this team and hopefully pass on the identity and culture of the Cardinals to guys like Paul Goldschmidt and now Nolan Arenado, and then eventually to the guys after them. Yeah, it's it's what makes the organization the great organization that it is. You know, it's 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 having that that tradition that is passed on from generation to generation. You know, we may skip one every now and then, but you know, here again, I think this is a type of move that puts those puts the Cardinals right back to where all of the people who watch Cardinal baseball in this town expected them to be. Always competitive, always in a position to win, and taking a lot of pride in in wearing those birds on the bat. Couple more quick things for the Hall of Famer, the Wizard Ozzie Smith. Number one, in the last year, you've had to put up way too many Instagram posts with pictures of yourself with Hall of Famers that we've lost with you two at the Hall of Fame. It's just been a crushing oh year, hasn't it? It has. We lost, uh, I think, it was ten guys in nine months. You know, so it uh, it certainly has been a tough year with the pandemic and everything, and then not not really being able to to celebrate them the way that we would would like to and. Uh, you know, you just can't say you just can't say enough about how tough it's been for for everybody. And uh, going uh, into going to the Hall of Fame this year is going to be a lot different than it has in the past. You know, because we have lost so many in a short period, such a short period of time. Ozzy, what sort of a relationship did you have with Henry Aaron? I know you were both born in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, what, what sort of a relationship did you have with Hammer and Hank? We had a great relationship and. You know, on his 80th birthday, uh, he had a uh, his birthday party was at the Smithsonian in uh, Washington, and uh, I was one of the, in, the the people that he invited. He didn't invite everyone, but I made that list. You know, so I think that speaks to what he thought and felt of me. And uh, if you remember back, Randy, um, about 10, 15 years ago, uh, Hank came to my first event that I had for my, my PGA reach charity, mm-hmm. uh, at Bell Reeve, you know? So, um, it was one of those people, man, that was here again, you know, very special. It's very repetitive, but very respectful of the game and away from the game as well. He had the, uh, Henry Aaron foundation that here again, it dealt with deals with kids, helping young people become better citizens and, and stuff. So he was, he was one of he's a real gentleman too, and he was one of those guys that came up at a time where it wasn't easy for them, and certainly closing in on Babe Ruth's home run record, you know all the the death threats and stuff that he had uh, that he had to he had to deal with uh, day in and day out. But you know, always had a smile on his face, always classy, and you know, one of those people that it was fun getting to know him. Uh, I was going to ask you if you remember where you were and if you were watching when he hit 7.15. Yeah, I think everybody was glued to the television. That night was probably one of the highest rated um, uh, <laughs> sports events on, on, on sport to date, really, you know, because uh, everybody was excited about the fact that somebody was going to close it on a record that we didn't think would ever be broken. 
Yeah, it was, he was amazing, and I, I had the good fortune to speak with him a couple of times, and you're, like you say, couldn't have been a more classy gentleman and a great man. A, a classy gentleman and a great man, Ozzie Smith, joining us to talk about Nolan Arenado, and I wanted just to throw that in there and get your reaction to, to the passing of Henry Aaron as well. Oz, we appreciate you checking in. Thanks for calling, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, you guys take care. You Be too. safe out there. You too. Bye-bye. That is the great Ozzie Smith, best defensive shortstop in the history of the game. And to hear him talk about Nolan Arenado's defense, it gets you more excited every time, especially to hear someone like Ozzie Smith talk about it. Like he said, they'll be running into each other. That's right. There's so much range out there. Coming up, we've got today's big thing. What does the Arenado deal mean for the rest of the Cardinals? Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Nine sixteen in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we'll have the Zoom press conference for Nolan Arenado when it takes place at eleven o'clock this morning. And Michelle, one of the questions that's bound to be asked is, what happens with Matt Carpenter now? He was penciled in as the Cardinal third baseman. Obviously, has had a couple of rough years in a row. But do they try to move him to second? Do they try to move him to the outfield? Does he become a super utility guy, a pinch hitter? What do they do with Matt Carpenter and his $18.5 million over the last year of his contract? I tend to lean more towards super utility guy, somebody that can hopefully provide a pot for you when he's called upon, if that's something that he can do. But I don't really, maybe they try to move him to another position because there is a lot of money invested into this, but I don't really see a lot of other options. I don't either, and I think that one thing that Mike Schultz and his staff can do is pick their spots, have him hit against the perfect pitchers for him, right-handers that don't throw 100, right-handers that are in that 92-93 range that when when you age, your bat slows down. Pitchers that he can catch up to and pitchers that don't have great command because he still has a great eye. Pitchers that give him the best opportunity to maximize what he can do right now. And I know Cardinal fans aren't pumped about that contract and pumped about the production that they've seen from Matt Carpenter during the span of the contract. However, I would say this is the Cardinals admitting that they made a mistake there and going out and rectifying it in in one way, shape, or another. And with the Carpenter contract and with the addition of Arenado, who's still going to cost the Cardinals $25 million, and you have Dexter Fowler in his last year, I would be really surprised. They might do it, but I would be really surprised if the Cardinals would bring Colton Wong back. Because if you have six outfielders that you like and you have an infield that you think is going to play a lot of games, and let's just pencil in Tommy Edmond at second, and you've got your two catchers, are you sending Tommy Edmond down to the minors? Probably not. I don't think so. No. So if you add Wong, you know you're going to have Carpenter, and you know you're going to have at least five of those outfielders. You're going to have a 26-man roster, 13 pitchers, 13 position players. A starting eight, that gives you five bench players. So you'll have Carpenter. You'll have at least one, probably two outfielders. You have to have a backup catcher, and you have to have have a backup shortstop. And Wong is not going to be a backup shortstop. Carpenter's not going to be a backup shortstop. So Edmund almost has to be on your team. Yeah. I wonder where Wong's going to land. I don't know. Because question. prior to the Arenado situation, there was some 
Steam picking up that he was still in conversation with St. Louis and that he might come back here and that perhaps he was realizing he wasn't going to command as much as he thought he was on the market. And we know he has a great relationship with Mike Schilt and that he loved playing here. So even though he might have felt a certain type of way about them not wanting to pick up the option, when you put all the cards on the table, it seems as if coming back to St. Louis was probably the best option for him. So now with the Cardinals going out and acquiring Nolan Arenado, I don't know if that's an option for him. So I'm just, I'll be fascinated to see where he ends up. And there are some guys out there that are good players that are not getting what they expected. Last year, Hanser Alberto played second base for the Orioles, had a 698 OPS, hit 283, 306. Better offensively, way better offensively than Wonger. Two years ago, uh, he hit 305, 329 on base, 422 slug, 751 OPS. This is Hanser Alberto, who just got a minor league deal. Oh. So you wonder if that might be where Wonger has to go with, with a minor league deal. Meanwhile, Arenado is going to be here. And Matt Holiday played here for a long time and played with Arenado. So what about Arenado playing at Bush? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Um but I, I, I will tell you uh, that as, as an opposing player, it didn't take me to sell Nolan, Nolan Arenado on what a great place it is to play in St. Louis. So everybody knows as an opposing player when you come in there that it's a great place, they're competitive, they want to win, the, the fans are great. Um, so it's, it's an easy place to sell. Um, I think he's super excited. I know he's super excited. Um, he's, he's, he's thrilled to play in front of those fans and, and – you know, a lot of the guys on the team that he's played against, he has a high level of respect for, and he's excited about kind of where the team's going and, and competing. And so it's, uh, I think it's a great fit on both sides. Um, I'm sure the, the, the Cardinals fans are, are thrilled to have that kind of a player, but he's also thrilled to, to play in, in front of a fan base uh, like St. Louis and, and for a competitive uh, team that has you know, great pitching and, and, and young guys. And, and, you know, I think he's he's excited about the future. We tend to downgrade as fans how great St. Louis is for players. That's what I was asking Ozzie Smith. It's a good reminder for us because mm-hmm. we are, we're so insulated, right? It's what we do as sports fans. We only focus on our team, our team, our team. And especially with the Cardinals, we expect winning. And so when it's been a decade and we don't have a World Series championship, people are getting restless, regardless of the postseason runs, regardless of guys like Dylan Carlson that might be coming up that you're excited about. Fans were restless, and it is a nice reminder to have players of a high, high caliber like Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt want to come to St. Louis because of the tradition and because of the fact that the Cardinals are always in the mix. And like Matt said, I, I, as a former Cardinal, I don't need to sell them on it. Everybody that plays here knows. Everybody that comes in as an opposing player knows how great it is to be in St. Louis. One thing Holiday does know is how good of a fit Arenado will be here. He loves baseball. He's a big kid. Um, he and his cousin and his brother, they have a wiffle ball, like this big wiffle ball game they're always playing. And uh, they travel around playing golf. They're, 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 they're big kids that enjoy baseball, but at the same time, he's super competitive and, and hates to lose. And so I think that you're going to see an ultra-competitive guy, plays hard, wants to win, um, loves the game. Uh, it's a really good fit, I think, for, for baseball fans in St. Louis. I think they're really going to appreciate his energy and, and his, his love of the game on a daily basis. 
ultra competitive guys that loves to win, wants to win more than anything, hates to lose. Kind of reminds me of an Adam Wainwright or Yadier Molina yeah. or maybe an Albert Pujols. We love those guys here in St. Louis. And I really do think that the trait of hating losing is more important than the trait of loving winning. That Everybody was, loves to win. That was one of my big takeaways from Three Nights in August when Tony La Russa was being very vulnerable and letting people in on what the process was like on a day-to-day basis. The losses stick with those guys longer than the, than the glory of the wins do. So, Arenado coming here. Harold Reynolds of MLB Network talked about the difference that the Cardinals will experience and that he will experience as a member of the Cardinals. You know, this is a perfect fit. I mean, you think about Nolan Arenado playing in the NL Central for the to Cardinals. Ken did such a great job of documenting the whole deal. I'll just speak about what I think from a player's perspective. One, anytime you're talking about deferring money, well, it means two things. One, you have money already. He's got the Kelly Nash type money. And then <laughs> secondly, secondly and most importantly, it reminds me a lot of Ken Griffey Jr., he wanted to defer money so you can add players because you want to win. Nolan's at a point in his career where he's won gold gloves, he's won all-star games, he's been in all-star teams, he's been on the WBC. It's time to win a World Series. And he is well aware of understanding that unless you're able to put the right players around you, you're not going to win. So when you start deferring money, that means I'm expecting the club to win. And the third thing I take away from that is he's going to accept this trade. You know, he has a no-trade clause. This is going to happen. So there's some real positives that come out of this for Nolan Arenado and for the Cardinals. Uh, They just got one of the top players in all of baseball. I know they sent away three prospects, but in return for prospects and $50 million, uh, this is a really good deal. On the Rockies side, if you got $200 million that you're looking at and you're saying, we're not going to be able to afford this moving on. we got Trevor Story knocking on the door to be paid. How are we going to pay them both? We've had disputes already with Nolan, and we know we got to move him. So you eat $50 million of this. You save $150 million. I think that's what people forget. You know, they get caught up. Wow, they gave them $50 million. Yeah, but they saved $150 of what was guaranteed that they had to pay to Nolan Arenado. Yeah, if you're a Rockies fan, you're so bummed that you're losing a player like Nolan Arenado. And then you think, okay, well, what about Trevor Story? And he's been quoted about this deal, and he's not happy, Randy. He said that Nolan is one of my best friends, baseball aside, so this hurts. He's the best third baseman in the game. I'm sad and a little frustrated, to be honest. All I can do is focus on playing the best baseball I can for my teammates and the fans. They deserve it. But doesn't sound like a guy who's super pumped to still be in Colorado with Nolan Arenado gone. And he's a player. So can you imagine being a fan there, too? No. You gave this guy this contract and said, okay, we're going to build around you. And then two years later, they decide not to build around him. And they're going to have to tear down because they're going to be able to keep Trevor's story. No. He's probably not going to re-sign there. So how do they get to the point where they're going to get better? They, They added... I know Harold said three. That was before we knew the finality of the deal. But they added one guy who has a chance at the moment to be a really good position player in Montero and and a pitcher. And and the guy that they traded isn't going to be as good as, or the guy that they got isn't going to be as good as the guy they traded. So they're 
basically wanting to tank in an area in which is really difficult to tank successfully anymore. We just had a conversation a few segments ago about wanting to come back into the stands when we're allowed mm-hmm. to as fans because the Blues are opening up Enterprise Center to more fans for the series tonight. Can you imagine if you're already having the, that internal dialogue about wanting to go back? Should I spend the money? Maybe my finances are different during the pandemic. Do I feel safe? And then your team is selling off your stars and you have no excitement whatsoever about the product. Yeah. I can't imagine that people are going to be really pumped to go back and watch the Rockies play once they're allowed back in the no. stadium. You say, okay, if I'm going to watch, I'll watch on TV. But also look at it from this perspective. They have a really good NBA team and a really good NHL team right now mm-hmm. that they can watch as well. So if you have the choice between w- watching the Rockies in April or May or the Nuggets or the Avalanche, and you're a sports fan, you're going to take the more competitive team. That's right. So they're losing in that competitive battle, too. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk to Nolan Aronado's high school coach. He was a coach of a pretty talented team. Mike Gonzalez from El Toro High School in California joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joining us now is Nolan Arenado's high school coach from El Toro High School in California, Mike Gonzalez on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Mike, thanks so much for taking some time with us on this day that the Cardinals have acquired Nolan Arenado. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we got to start with this because you did have him in high school. Was Nolan one of those guys when you coached him where you said, okay, that's a major league player? Yeah, well, you never know that, you know, a guy that you coach in high school is going to turn out to be probably one of the best third basemen ever play the game. But, yeah, he definitely had some skills. And the thing about Nolan is his his work ethic was unbelievable and his obsession with becoming the best player that he can be and his best version that he can be was just was just unmatched by any player I've ever had. Mike, I was reading a story in which you were quoted about last night, and Matt Chapman was talking about Nolan Arenado and about how he was his understudy of store, of sorts in, back in high school. And he mentioned that same thing about how Nolan's work ethic really rubbed off on him and that he kind of laid the path for him to show him how hard you had to work if you wanted to succeed. Do you think that watching Nolan Arenado work so hard is something that will rub off on other people in the clubhouse? Oh, for sure. I, I mean, you know, Maddie was so fortunate that he was a sophomore when Nolan was on varsity and, and when they played together in high school and he was his backup and he got to see every day how hard Nolan worked. And, and that's the thing is, is his teammates absolutely love Nolan. His teammates loved him in high school. His teammates have loved him all through the minor leagues and the big leagues and so forth. And he's just a guy who who if if you're not working as hard as he is or he's not, you know, he, he expects you to work as hard as him or he expects you to play the best that you can play and he expects everybody to work hard and and and, and give all and, and give his best effort. So you're getting a guy in the clubhouse. I'm, and he's always talked about St. Louis, about being the greatest fans in the world and how knowledgeable they are. And, and for him to, to be in that clubhouse, I think it's going to be a benefit for uh, for everybody. Mike, we've been doing some scouting on him on our on our newest Cardinal, and we know that he loves to win, but we also have heard many times how much he hates to lose. Can you shed some light on that about how much he hates to lose? Yeah, I mean, he, it's, his that's why he works so hard is because, you know, his biggest fear is failure for himself and, and also his teammates. So, you know, he's the kind of player that because he plays so hard, so many people around him see that, and he actually elevates the player's 
um, around him. I think he's he, and he did that in high school, and you know, I think he's done that in the big leagues as well. He's just a guy who's just his personality is so magnetic. He's such a fun guy. He's such a good kid. He loves the game. He doesn't view it as work, and and, and he has such a passion for the game that it just it just filters out to to uh, to everybody that he, that he's around. Mike Gonzalez, the head coach of Nolan Arenado at El Toro High School in California with us. Uh, Mike, did you always play him at third? No, actually, Nolan came up as a – the first year playing on varsity was actually a sophomore. He was actually a first baseman. And, you know, and, and another thing you're going to get, he's such a good teammate, man. He's so selfless. He, you know, he, when I talked to him, he's, you know, one of the best hitters we had and we've ever had. And as a sophomore, he just goes, Coach, I want to play wherever, you know, wherever I can help the team. And we actually played him at first base as a sophomore. And then as a junior and senior, he ended up playing shortstop because he never actually played third base for us. He always played shortstop. Mm-hmm. And same with Matty Chapman too. They played both played short, but as a sophomore, Nolan played, uh, played first base for us because he had such great hands and he, he would do whatever it took to, to be, a, to be in the roster, to be in the, in, in, in the lineup. And, and that's just his attitude. He'll do whatever it takes in order for the, for the club to win. Okay, Mike, if someone said, tell me what Nolan Arenado is like, what is one story that you would give them that perfectly describes what he's like as a guy and as a player? Yeah, well, there, there's a story when we we're, were playing for a league championship when he was a senior in high school. He was one of the best you know, offensive players in, in, in the country, obviously. And we, had, we were playing for a league championship. We we're down by one run, runners at first and second with nobody out. And typically, you know, you're, you're going to let your best hitter hit, but he actually – the third baseman was playing 10 feet behind the base and he actually laid down a perfect drag bunt and got us in the bases loaded. Next guy came up and got a hit. We ended up winning the game we ended up winning a league championship. And then after the game, I was like, Oh my gosh, great coach. That's a great job. You did a great job. It was a great call. And I go, no, I go, no, I, go, I didn't call that. I go, I go, I was so pissed. He was an idiot for doing that. He's the best hitter <laughs> in the country. And here he is laying down the bunt. And then when I talked to him after the, after the game, I go, Nolan, I, I, I go, what'd you do that for? He goes, coach, he goes, I saw the guy 10 feet behind the base. I trusted my teammates. I knew I could get a drag bunt down, and I knew we can get bases loaded with nobody out to put our team in a in a position to win, and, and that's what I thought was best for the team. So, I mean, no joke. I mean, that's his personality. That's what he does. He's not a me guy, um, and, and you're, you're getting a guy that your fans are going to absolutely love because he's so personable and he's such a such a selfless player. And Matt Holiday tells us about how much he just loves the game, that he's he's a baseball rat. And from a coaching standpoint, from Mike Schultz's standpoint as a manager, that's a guy that you love to have, isn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when he was in high school, he, he would come before practice and hit for, you know, an hour or so with all his buddies. And then they would also stay after and hit or take ground balls after practice. So he just he loved being on the field. He loved being with his teammates. He loved working on his craft. And, and and he just he just loves being out there. It's got to be pretty refreshing as a coach because everything that you're describing, he seems like such a humble guy, but he's also the best guy on the team. It's pretty rare to have such a team oriented and humble superstar. Yeah, well, that, and, and and that's the reason why we were so good. I think too is because he elevated the play of other guys, and and, and other guys saw that he was the best player, that he was our best fielder, he was our best hitter, he was our best bunner. He was one of our best base runners. So when guys see that out of the best player and, and the best player is so coachable and the best player buys into whatever you're selling as a coach, I mean, it, it, it just makes everything so much easier and just such a such a better atmosphere if, if you can have your best players buy in. And, and that's what Nolan does, man. He has no ego. He's one of the best players, you know, in, in the world. And he's great with our program. He'll come back and work out with our guys and, and, and work with them as far as defense, offense, 
I could call him at, I have two boys that play baseball. He, I can call him at any time and he'll work. He'll talk to me about defense. I talked to him the other day about, you know, about defense, about my son. He plays third base too. And, and he gave him some tips with with him and so forth. So, you know, he's, he's, he's totally humble. And, you know, I think he gets out from his parents, you know, Millie and Fernando, they're, they're good people as well. And, and, and so forth. So, like I said, he, he's excited to be there. I'm excited to see him play, and, and, and you know, and, and you guys are going to get a good one there. You're, you're going to love him. You're going to love him. A couple of more things for Mike Gonzalez, who was Nolan Arenado's high school coach at El Toro in California. Tell us about the experience of being able to present he and Matt with their platinum gloves a couple of years ago. Yeah, that, that was great. You know, Rawlings called me about a month before the, the ceremony and said, hey, we got an idea and pitch it to us. And, and I go, that's awesome. I go, we'd love to. So they fought me and my wife and, and, and to be able to present the trophy to Matt and, and Nolan and, and kind of a little backstory is we we're supposed to fly. We're about 10 minutes away from our, our airport here in Orange County. And, and we're on a flight at nine o'clock in the morning and we're going to go there. And then they called us and said, Oh no, Maddie's on that flight. You got to go to the 12 o'clock flight. So we go to the 12 o'clock flight and we go, no, you can't go on that flight. Cause Maddie or Nolan's on that flight. <laughs> so we end up having to take a, you know, we're supposed to leave it. 12, 12 in the afternoon, we end up having to drive to L.A., which is another hour and a half away. We have to get up at three in the morning. So we're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're, they're changing our schedule off for Nolan and Maddie to try to keep it a secret. But and then when we finally got there and able to present the trophy that night, um, they, they both were totally um, surprised. And it was just a cool experience to, you know, to to present it to those guys, you know, it gets a little emotional because I've known those guys since they were kids and, and just to see them in that atmosphere and for me to be able to do it and how appreciative they were to see me that night and my wife. It was, uh, it was an awesome experience, man. It's an awesome experience. It was cool. Mike, how did that team that had Arenado Chapman and Romine do? Yeah, well, we, we, we won a Seattle championship with, with, with Nolan in, in 08 and Dodger stadium. And I think that's maybe why he has so much success at Dodger stadium. It's, you know, he's, he's played there a few times and, and we had success, but yeah, we won a few championships with those guys. It was, you know, it was, it, it was hard not to. So I just kind of, I just kind of massaged them and point them in the right direction. And then those guys did the rest. <laughs> well, we're excited about having Nolan here. Thank you very much for your time. And I know that you'll be watching, like you said, a lot of Cardinal baseball in 2021 and beyond. I appreciate it, guys. Best of luck to you guys. Good chatting with you. Good talk, talking to you, too. Thank you. That is Mike Gonzalez. That is the head coach at El Toro High School at Arenado, Matt Chapman, and Austin Romine on the same team. Isn't it incredible that every person we've talked to about Nolan Arenado talks about who he is as a person and a competitor before they talk about who he is as a baseball player? Yeah, it's remarkable. It's incredible. And everybody's so consistent about it. And whether it's people in the media whether it's we talked to Greg Amsinger and Joe Buck, you hear from Matt Holiday, you hear from Mike Gonzalez, right. you hear from a guy like Ozzy. Everybody talks about what a guy he is. But I would think if you're the Cardinals and you're going to spend money on somebody, you want to make sure it's not only a top-notch player but a top-notch person that can be on billboards and be someone yep. that your fans embrace. And again, what an asset John Mozeliak has in being able to just pick up the phone or text Matt Holiday and say, okay, what's this guy like? And it's not just holiday, but there's so many people that they have access to. They do a really good job generally of scouting people in addition to players. Obviously, the scouting of players has not gone great over the course of the last few years. But generally, not again, not 100%, but generally they get really good people in that clubhouse. Yeah, if Matt Holiday is telling you this is an A-plus person and an yeah. A-plus player, I think you could trust his judgment. Absolutely. Coming up, Dan McLaughlin and BK are coming up at the top of the hour, and we're going to talk to Danny Mack about this and more next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy, Dan McLaughlin here in the studio. And Dan and I were talking about uh, right before we came on the air why the Rockies wouldn't have just gone to everybody and said, okay, let make a bid and we'll see if we can can guide Nolan Arenado to your spot. And Dan, you were doing the game the night that the Cardinals made the deal for Scott Rowland. Remember how adamant he was about coming to St. Louis and he was in Philly. He turned out a $140 million contract and came here and wound up signing a $90 million deal. And obviously he's a Midwestern guy, but grew up a Cardinal fan, wanted to play for the Cardinals and it, it sounds to me, in listening to Matt Holiday yesterday on the fast lane, hearing Mike Gonzalez, his high school coach, that the guy has always had something, Nolan Arenado, about playing for the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I just think there's something about guys that are... I equate him to a gym rat. I said this the other day. You know, you hear about basketball guys and you find them in the gym by themselves after games and they're shooting hoops and they're working on their game. He's... He's the equivalent of a gym rat. He's a baseball rat. He loves the game. And players do always talk about it. You know, it's a special place to come. And the reality is, I think we as people that are in St. Louis, has there been frustration that they haven't been to a World Series? I mean, haven't been to a World Series since 2013. I mean, this is, you know, come on, let's go. (laughs) But from the outside looking in, you know, a lot of other places, they don't go to postseason play. They don't win divisions. They don't even compete. And so for him to say, hey, I got to go to a, a, a chance to go to a place that perennially has a, a very good shot to compete and they, they have the resources to do it, or at least they show that they put those resources back into play. And there's other people telling me that it's a great place to play, whether it be Matt Holiday or Paul Goldschmidt or other places. Uh, you know, the players all talk to each other. They share agents. Um, they all work out together. A lot of them do. So it. it and technology with phones and things. I mean, they all talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They know it's a special place to play that if you're going to wind up playing and take the money aside and say, that's not part of the equation, which it's, it's a huge part of life, obviously, but just look at it from a baseball perspective. There's not many be- better places to go than like St. Louis, the Yankees. I mean, you, you think of iconic franchises, the Dodgers, I think it would be fun to go play in Chicago at Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. You know, things of that nature, places that have had a long history of um, fun places to play. Maybe it's a historic uh, fan base, those kind of things. And, and St. Louis is, without question, one of those places. So it's, it just makes sense. I and, and by the way, just let me finish real quickly. I think the way that he plays the game, our, the fan base here will appreciate yeah. how he plays. I mean... They are going to eat this guy up, man. They're going to love him. So that's the other part of this, too, that people will love how this guy plays. Every person that we've talked to on the show or on the station, whether it's Matt Holiday or Greg Amzinger, we just spoke to Nolan Arenado's high school coach from California. Every person talks about who he is as a competitor and a guy before they talk about what he's like on the field. And I was telling Randy off the air, I, I would imagine if you're the Cardinals and you're going to spend all of this money, especially right now on somebody, you need to make sure that it's someone you can put on a billboard and that fans are going to adore. Absolutely. And they do their due diligence. And and Mo talks to his guys who talk to those players. Now, he can't go out and talk to Nolan Arenado before a game and say, hey, you know, if you have a chance to come to St. Louis, would you like to? You can't do that. But 
through the back channels you you visit, you know, you you know what guys would be the right fit. And this just seems to be the typical in the last 20, 25 years of the kind of guy that if you brought him here, it just seems to be the right fit. And, and it goes back all the way to Roland. Uh, Jimmy Edmonds was mm-hmm. uh, kind of a – they took a flyer on him, but they had done the back channels like, hey, if you get him here – this is kind of this is going to work. This this is going to work, and they knew that he loved baseball. And if you got him out of L.A., it probably works, and it worked like so beautifully that he here's a Southern California kid that lives in St. Louis yeah. now year year round because right. he loves it. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, but these guys, it just <laughs> I'm getting emotional. <laughs> It just fits. And yeah. so here's another one that Arenado, it just fits. I had something go down the wrong pipe. It happens. It happens. It so, does happen. Dan, a lot of people are suggesting that the Cardinals should go out and get Colton Wong. And I would not be averse to that. I just can't see a way that the Cardinals can fit Wong in with Carpenter and his contract. With the fact that you're probably going to have five bench players. You need a catcher, probably a couple of outfielders, Carpenter on your team, and then you need a backup shortstop, Right. So Boy, uh, it would be fun, though, wouldn't it? Oh, oh the defense would be oh, unbelievable. Can you imagine? Did you yes. hear Ozzy? Ozzy said they're going to have so much range they'll be running into each other. Out there. <laughs> Is that what he yeah. said? Yeah. I, I would love to see it. I I still think I'm not saying they're a bat short. I still think offensively, they're they're the back end of that lineup could. It's been lengthened a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Arenado takes care of a lot, a lot of what you can do. For instance, so let's just take second base. If if you have, um, and it it bleeds over into the outfielders. So let's just say they go into the season currently constructed, and one of the outfielders that you're giving a chance to, and, it, and we've talked about it every single day, they don't perform. You know, Tommy Edmond can go out there, and Carpenter can play some second base. Um, I think that gives you some flexibility now. I would love to see Wong come back. I think it would be. An, an infield that would rival the mid eighties infield. I mean that the, the mid eighties infield is doesn't get not it just does not get talked about enough. The one that had Hernandez and Ozzy and Tommy Her and Obergfell that was, was one the of best the, ever. It, it's one of the best ever and it never gets talked about. If you have the best shortstop and the best first baseman, that's a good start. Yeah, <laughs> and you might have the best corners in the last twenty five years yep. now. So you're you're there, and Colton Wong is as good as they come right now at second base. And by the way, your shortstop doesn't get enough credit, especially analytically. He does, but not. I don't. I don't think in the general. He's look, not spectacular, right? He's not making the the jumping plays and Aussie plays, but he's just solid. He's just a very good player. Um, man, you'd be really good. I just think that you got to look maybe if they do something, and and they might be able to with the way that this works with the money and the first year the deal with Arenado is that they could they could get creative maybe potentially and and see what else is out there there's still a lot of players that are still out there so we'll we'll see what they want to do and I mentioned this to Michelle pretty good second baseman actually a better offensive player than Wong Hanser Alberto goes to the Royals as a non-roster guy right I think you may see some of those things happening and now more than ever that teams wake up this morning after the Players Association rejected what Major League Baseball proposed, and they're saying, okay, now it's for real. The the trucks literally are loaded mm-hmm. and going down to their various sites of spring training and saying, we got to have a roster. We, we got to make this thing go. Now, what I think the next storyline would be, and I don't know what you guys think about this, is that, so when I talked to Mo a couple weeks ago, he said, okay, we're going to have 80 guys in spring training. 
I, I don't know if that's realistic with where we're at with COVID. Uh, you know, can you get 80 guys? I, I guess you can spread them out on the fields and stagger your start times of working out and all that kind of stuff. I just don't know if you can do that. I mean, do you reduce it to 50, uh, your 40-man roster with some non-roster guys or your top AAA guy? I, I don't know. I, I don't know how they're doing, going to do this. Yeah, it's really interesting. Did, did they, I, I just don't know. Did they have sixty last year for the summer camp? Something like that. Brought to you by Camping World. Uh, <laughs> something like that. It was, no, I don't. I don't. They wanted to be a sixty-man group total, right? That they had. That's a good question, Randy. I, I, it was. It was your forty-man. Uh, I don't know if they, they got they up to the, sixty. I you know. 45 but, to 50? I, I would think like that, that with as massive as that facility is. Down that, in Jupiter, yeah. Yeah, that 60 would be a so, doable thing. So my my thing is doing the work is not the issue. It's And you guys have been to the complex. It's the mm-hmm. actual building of the complex. And, and it's you got to remember, too, it's not just the players. I mean, we got a lot of yeah. important people. Everybody's important. But, I mean, everybody that makes the, the machine run from the clubhouse attendance to the front office personnel to your medical team i mean there's a you start counting bodies here and your your numbers go up so that's going to be interesting how they make this thing go and maybe you have a, a morning session or an afternoon session well, you almost have I'm to thinking. do it that way right that, yeah that's what i'm thinking is that they they have to do something like that but as it pertains to what's going on today i guess 11 o'clock uh arenado will zoom meet with the media we're going to carry it live on 101 uh peter gammons is coming up next hour with uh with bk and um, I'm excited. I, I think it's a great day to be a Cardinal fan. It, how can you not be excited with this deal? It, it lengthens the lineup. It's exactly what you wanted. And he's only, I, he's been in the league now eight years, and he's only 29 years old. And he's never had a year where he didn't win a gold glove. Right. Eight times. I was looking to, because I think it's of note, but his road OPS in his career is 827. I mean, you, yeah, you, pretty good. Yeah. And his career OPS is 890. So, you know. <laughs> you're getting a bat that is going to help you in the middle of this line. I think it's fun to talk about lineups and how you do this and who bats lead off. I think Dylan Carlson now can thrive with some protection around them. Do you sandwich him between the two? Do you put him in front of these guys? It's great. I mean, it just lengthens and gives you so many more options with what you can do with your lineup. Hey, Chris Bryant, what's boring now? Yeah, that's right. Not real boring. <laughs> you watch Arenado play every day. It is not boring. And he'll give you everything he's got, which is fun. Looking forward to you and BK coming up. Okay, guys, thanks. That is Danny Mack with us, and he's coming your way at the top of the hour. Great job. Uh, A phenomenal job today by Emily Butcher. The last couple of days, it's been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, this was great. It was, Randy. See you tomorrow. See ya. And uh, for all of you, thanks for tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. 
and in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.